Yo, what's up, everyone? G Money Stacks here. You may remember me from shows like Off the Meat Rat Change New York Avenue podcast, Excellent Fun Vibrant Talks podcast, Sports Edition show, Meticulous Vibe Juice podcast review show. I'm here to talk to you at home about Spotify for podcasters. Why are you wasting and struggling with your money on a hosting site to promote your show with limited storages? Forget about it. Let's break this down. If you are a current Anchor user, don't worry about the changes. Everything will be the same with added new features. Spotify for Podcasters, formerly known as Anchor, is a free hosting site and phone app that gives you old and new creation tools, also provides free hosting with access to record, upload videos from podcast episodes, edit, add music to your show, monetize, Q&A questions, polls, distribute your podcast on streaming platforms, tracking analytics, plus the show's growth audience from international places, Canada, USA, international, including Long Island and the five boroughs of New York and much more. You can get money from sponsorship with no minimum listenership. Spotify for Podcasters also offers hosting and a way to upload podcast videos to attract listeners also keep track of the number number of streams these are the important keys to making a podcast if you like to create a podcast and be a guest co-host like myself you can download the free spotify for podcasters app on your iphones android phones ipads android tablets apple mac and dell laptops with windows or check out the website for more information to get a head start on your podcast journey at www.podcasters.spotify.com. If I can reach success, so can you. Take advantage of the opportunity that's thrown in your face. I'm G Money Stacks, aka the Greginator. Thank you for listening to me and the podcast. Let's go.
Yo, what is up, USA, International, Canada, Long Island, aka Strong Island, plus the five spots of Brooklyn, Bronx, Manhattan, Staten Island, Queens. This is your man, G Money Stacks, aka the Greginator, YouTuber, host with the most, misunderstood lonely nomad, the man who holds the back doors of the Q5 and the N24 buses, unstoppable independent podcaster, and of course, Queens, New York native of Lawrence and Queens, New York. And you're rocking and hanging out with me on the 302nd episode, which is two episodes over <laughs> the milestone that we that I reached so far of Off the Meat Rack Chains New York Avenue podcast. And I hope you folks at home had a chance to go out to the to the polls to vote. And I hope y'all had a, a great weekend and everything else. Um, and we got a jam-packing show today. And we got some highlights of, and we got some highlights to go over from Halloween, of course, which I didn't get a chance to go through in episode 300, which was the milestone episode. So, you know, so we got that covered. And speaking of which, we're live and direct from StreamYard and alongside with YouTube and, of course, the Instagram live feed of my Instagram podcast show page. So if you want to chime in on the topics, um, in today's episode and any any episode that you previously missed or whatever, you have any questions or whatever, please put it in the comments or whatever. And then and then I'll get to you and I'll give you a, a shout out on the Instagram live feed as well as YouTube as well. So um, without without further ado, let me just remind you all to go ahead and grab that subscribe button for me on the YouTube channel page of G Money Stacks Triple Five which is where you see all the live episodes be, that was recorded, posted, and uploaded to the podcast um, YouTube channel page. And, of course, tap the notification bell so you can be reminded of when each episode recording is going to be, is going to be going, going live via live stream. And, and of course, it includes the date, the month, the day, and and the time. All right? So if you see a button that says notify me, you want to press that so you can be, so you can be um, reminded on when the podcast episode recordings via live stream is going to start. So, um... So, um, leave a like of the comments along with the episodes and the topics that's being discussed. You can also you can also listen, stream, and watch these episodes in case you miss any of these episodes or whatsoever. Don't you worry. And you can download the episodes alongside with downloading the podcast to add to your playlists like Spotify. Or any stream platforms whatsoever, alongside with your favorite episodes, along with the topics. All right. So, and um, before I forget, tell a friend to another friend, and I'll handle the rest at the end of this show. All right. And of course, welcome newcomers. Uh, for those that's new or whatever. 
Um, yeah. So before I even keep going with this, before I go into the next segment, um, if you'd like to support the podcast whatsoever, yes. So you got, I'm giving you two options. You can, you can make a charitable donation to either my cash app or my PayPal, uh, whichever is, whichever works for you, um, will be appreciated. Any amount will be appreciated. Um, you don't have to have a lot of money to show more support. Um, you can give you can give a dollar, you can give five dollars or ten dollars, whatever amount you desire and choose. All right, no pressure. All right. So um, so yeah, so there you have it right there. Um you want to make a donation to support the podcast. And by the way, um, a reminder if you're making a donation to either of to either my cash app and my donation, the money goes to me. It doesn't go to YouTube, okay? So I just want to let you know as a reminder, if you're making a donation to support the podcast and other podcast shows that I do, um, the money goes to me, not YouTube. All right? So there you have it right there. And, and of course, um, let me just make sure that, um, hang on a second here. Hang on a second here. Um, what the hell did I do? Wait a second here. Um, wait a minute here. Um, okay. Give me one second. Don't know what happened here. I don't know what happened here. What the hell happened here? Yeah. Yeah, I must have pressed something. Didn't mean to do that. Um, okay, now that I got that out the way, what do you say we go to what's going on with the MTA behind the scenes? Not really behind, yeah, behind the scenes in terms of you know, the buses and trains and stuff like that. And a segment that I like to call the New York Mass Transit Files right here, man. Let's do this. Okay, here's what's happening here in in our transit news right here. So, um, let me um let me get settled here. I know I just recorded. So this is according to um, MassTransitMag.com. All right. So, so the new wheelchair securement system currently being tested, including includes improved visual design and prominent yellow markers allowing drivers to quickly and safely strap in wheelchairs and prevent them from moving on october the 10th which was last month the metropolitan transportation authority welcomed a ford e 
450 van that features the Q Strength One all in one wheelchair securement station to its access to ride fleet. The new wheelchair securement system currently being tested includes improved visual design and prominent yellow markers, allowing drivers to quickly and safely strap in wheelchairs and prevent them from moving. Rub, uh, rubber, hold on, rubberized hooks and buckles and rugged surface texture provide maximum dur durability. 15 vans with the feature are expected to join the fleet by the end of 2023, which will be next month. Um, we are constantly looking for ways to improve um, access to ride experience while pr prioritizing safety, said MTA Chief Accessibility Officer and Senior Advisor um, Kumel, Kumel Awario. I'm excited for customers to experience the convenience of the wheelchair securement system as more vans join our fleet later this year. Access to ride continues to make major progress in customer satisfaction, and these vans will ensure a smoother and safer securement process, said MTA Vice President of Paratransit, Chris um, Pan. Um, Chris Pangilinan. Paratransit is the lifeblood for many New Yorkers, including myself, enabling all of us to access all of the great opportunities that the city has to offer. The Ford E450 fans feature seven seats with three wheelchair positions and four stationary seats and one flip seat one flip seat all of the authorities 20 ford e450 vans are in use throughout the city okay that sounds like a good start for the mta that sounds like a good start you know what i mean hang on hang on hang on yes all right so yeah, that sounds like a good start, right? Yes, it is. <clears throat> All right. In more transit news, um, we got to talk about here. Um, okay, we need to talk about... Um, okay, let's talk about... Um, Yes, um, the most ridiculous incident that we have to get into right here. Unfortunately, this is not um, unusual. This is not new. So this is according to AMNY.com. All right. So this took place in Brooklyn. <laughs> Excuse me. So police are looking for three unknown vandals who were seen on video throwing a brick at an approaching subway train in Brooklyn is extensively damaging the train's window. The incident occurred on the side of the subway tracks just north of the D and N station at 62nd Street. New New 62nd Street, New U Trek Avenue, New Trek Avenue in 
Borough Park at midday, midday on Tuesday, September 26th. The three young men who appeared to be teenagers tossed a brick at a northbound D train traveling on the end line at about 12.48 p.m. just as the train exited the tunnel. Oh, boy. Okay, that's that was stupid. You know good and hell and well that shit was stupid, right? Like, what are you doing? Like, you doing this for attention? Going viral? Like, come on, man. What is going on with teenagers these days, man? Are you doing are, are they doing this shit for fucking um viral um likes and shit? Like really? Like <laughs> like this is so fucking crazy. I can't even imagine how the parents feel. Like where are the fucking parents though in this in this mess? Like seriously, come on. All right, let's continue. Let's continue. They hit the blue, they hit the bullseye connecting right in the center of the window in front of the train operator's cab and shattering it. The train was taken out of service at the next stop, Fort Hamilton Parkway, and was returned to the yard for repairs. Okay, so the incident was filmed seemingly by the vandals themselves and posted online with the caption, nah, what, y'all be wildin'. <laughs> Yo, reckless behavior, um, reckless behavior like throwing objects at a fast-moving train full of passing, full of riders, excuse me, um, not only inconveniences fellow New Yorkers, but also endangers the, their lives and, and of transit workers just doing their jobs, said Richard Davey, the president of the MTA New York City Transit. The MTA system is not a playground for childish pranks. Um, the incident comes on the heels of a spree of subway window smashings earlier this month, impacting six lines and causing words of five hundred thousand dollars in damage whoo that's a lot of money folks that's not cheap to fix <laughs> that ain't cheap to fix though you know what i mean like this is crazy though man like 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 seriously 
Like, seriously, though, man. Like, I don't know. Hold on a second here. Yes. Um, yes, that's not cheap. Anyway. Anyway, let, let's let's continue on with this. Um this is this is fucking insane. Um okay. Oh man, oh man. Yeah, so the bout of mayhem led to a complete complete suspension of servers on the W line as MTA workers feverishly look for windows to replace the broken ones. The W smasher has not been caught. A a similar string of vandalism caused hundreds of thousands of dollars in damage of the windows on the seven line back in 2020 and was likewise never solved. There is, as of yet, no indication that any of the acts of vendorism are connected. Hmm. Really? Saying isn't so. Saying isn't so. Okay. Saying isn't so. Okay, so um, smashing windows isn't the only way teenage hijinks is causing headaches for the MTA. This month, the transit agency launched a teen-led campaign to deter subway surfing, which some teens engage in for social media clout, despite the potentially deadly consequences. Anyone with information in regards to this incident is asked to call the NYPD's Crime Stoppers hotline at 800-577-TIPS, which is 8477, or for Spanish, 888-57-PISTA, which is 74782. The public can also submit their tips by logging on to Crime Stoppers, to the Crime Stoppers Crime Stoppers website at crimestoppers.nypdonline.org or on X, formerly known as Twitter, um, at NYPD Tips. Of course, all calls and messages are kept confidential. All right. So I want to say something about this, though, man. This whole idea, this whole fucking idea that you have these teenagers who is doing um who is doing um hijinks or pranks, whatever you want to call them shits, though, man. That shit is not a game. That shit is not a game at all. You can easily hurt somebody like a a, a train conductor or a fight or a certain passenger that's on that train. And you know, where are the fucking parents in this? Where are the fucking parents in this shit? Like, I get that they're young, but at the same token. But at the same token, they got to suffer the consequences of what they did. Like, seriously. Like, this shit has to stop. Even the graffiti on the trains and stuff that i seen reports on and stuff like that that I did previous episodes ago. Like, this is crazy. This is fucking crazy. And just for likes 
for going viral and shit just to get attention. If you really want attention on things or whatever case scenario may be, whatever the cause, the cause you're trying to do, trying to spread a message or whatever, that's that's fine. But you, you but breaking breaking a merchandise of a window of a subway train is not cool at all. That shit is not cool. And I think, and I think some of the, and I think, and I think some of the parents who are teens, they need to, they need to, they need to, um, they need to be punished. It doesn't matter what age they are. It don't matter. What you did was a fucking crime. All right. So that's just my take on that shit though, man. Your teens need to do better, man. I'm sorry. They need to do better. For real. They need to do better. Okay, that was my take on the damn vandals. Hold on one second. All right. Um, all right. I'm back. Okay. Let me just, um, let me do this. All right. Up next, we have, we have a little segment right here that we normally do here, which is, one second, let me find it right here. Yes. Yes, hold on a sec. We got chatting on the jazz, man. Let's do this. Let's do this. Uh, we got more terrible stuff to cover. And of course, the stag after um stupidity um fucking negotiations and shit. Um, which is a recap. Um all that other crazy all that craziness and all that other stuff, man. So let's get into it right here. Um with the latest, which is chatting all the jazz. That's crazy. Look, I'm not going to cover the victory in this episode, but I'll probably do it in a future episode. Um, so, so stay tuned for that one right there. This is more of a recap of a topic that's been, um, that's been, um, trending, 
for the past couple of months and weeks. So there you have it right there, man. All right, so all right, let's get into chatting on the jazz right here, man. For um let's get into it. I'm sorry. Um hold on. All right. Um, all right. We got some terrible news. We got some terrible news that we got to get to. Um, all the other crazy stuff. All right. So starting with this incident that happened in the Bronx. <sighs> Man, this is crazy. Um, all right. So. A 67-year-old man is dead after being struck by a drugged-up motorist in Castle Hill, in, in the Castle Hill section of the Bronx Monday morning. No, excuse me, Monday evening. Police say Soundview resident Mohammed Rahman was killed while crossing Castle Hill Avenue uh, between Harmony and Turnbull Avenues at 9 p.m. Monday. The senior was hit by the driver of a 1994 Infiniti sedan traveling northbound on Castle Hill Avenue. Rahman was thrown to the ground and suffered a traumatic head injury, police say, and he was pronounced dead on arrival by EMS. Jeez, man. What the hell? So the Infinity driver, 27-year-old Victor Ramos of Castle Hill, remained at the scene. Officers determined Ramos was high on marijuana and opiates at the time of the crash, police sources said, and arrested the motorist, charging him with vehicular manslaughter, um, driving while intoxicated, failing to yield, and other raps. Jeez, man. You can't be serious, man. This is fucking crazy. 
But wait, there's more. The incident took place just a block away from where another senior, a 68-year-old woman, was killed by a hit-and-run school bus driver in 2019. How how crazy can people be, man? Um, how crazy can you be, man? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, this is terrible, man. All right, fatal crashes across the city are down slightly this year compared to last, according to NYPD data. 181 people have been killed in crashes so far this year versus 186 at the same time in 2022. Overall, in the first full year of Mayor, Mayor Eric Adams' tenure, pedestrian fatalities increased slightly to 114, even as overall street deaths were slightly down to 260 according to the recently released mayor's management report all right um all right before we even get to this hold on before we even get to the sag sag after um um bullshit negotiations we got a passing of a fellow actor um who wanted to create a foundation to help people with addiction under the name of um, Matthew Perry, who you may know from the TV show Friends and how he tried to help people. So let's get into it right here. Um, Okay, so... Yes, so according to the New York Post, Matthew Perry, known for his role as sarcastic Chandler Bing on on the hit NBC show Friends, died Saturday at age 54, apparently drowning in a hot tub at his Los Angeles home. Oh, boy. Yeah, that, that sucks, man. That that really fucking sucks, though. Um, And as far as, like, you know, all that stuff, that shit could take months to know the root cause of all this. That could take months, man, as far as, like, the uh, um... As far as anything goes, man, that that has that's terrible, man. What the friends for cats going through? Yeah, it's a shame. Man. He was a fellow actor. He 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 had um, a great personality. He had um, a way to relate to people that um, had addiction problems and shit. Um, he when he had um, addiction problems himself he didn't um it wasn't he didn't solve it but he actually was able to manage it um you know what i'm saying and yes addiction is a disease folks it's not something you play around with all right so just um you know anybody that you know that's going through addiction or whatever just try to try try to Try to interact with them, listen, and be able to um figure out a way to help them. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I just wanted to put I just wanted to say this actually, man, um, before I continue. So let's continue here, man, with the story. Hang on one second after this plane passes.
Okay, TMZ reported illegal drugs were not found at the scene Saturday and foul play is not suspected. Prescription drugs were reportedly found inside the home per TMZ sources. Um, okay, there's more. Perry achieved global fame for his friend's role even as he struggled with drug and alcohol addiction. The whole Nine Yards star reported last year in his memoir that he had attended 6,000 AA meetings, gone to rehab 15 times, and been in detox 65 times. Perry once estimated he spent around $9 million trying to get sober. Wow. Wow. Wow, six million dollars to get sober. That's not wow, that's a lot of money, but it's not a bad idea. Um, okay, let, let, let's see. Let's see. Um, all right, so here's a look at Perry's personal battles. Okay, so, um Let's see. Hold on. All right, starting with 1997, jet ski accident. After having his first drink at 14, at age 14, Perry was drinking constantly by age 18. Perry's addiction to drugs began after the 17 again star was involved in a jet ski accident on the set of Fools Rush In in 1997, about three years after Friends premiered in 1994. He was prescribed Vicodin. Yikes. His addiction became so bad he admitted to getting he admitted to ingesting 55 of the pills per day, causing his weight to plummet to 128 pounds at one point. Perry was admitted to the the Hazelden Center in Minnesota in 1997 for 28 days. Um 2000, hospitalized with pancreatitis. No, hold on. Pancreatitis, excuse me. Um, Three years after his addiction got underway, Perry was treated for pancreatitis. Pancreatitis. He spent 30, 30 days in the hospital, 30 days in the hospital, um, while filming Friends in 2000, in his memoir, um, in his memoir, um, Friends, Lovers, and the Big 
terrible thing. Perry recalled being fed fluids through an IV after doctors told him he had a drinking problem. Fuck that, I said, Perry wrote. No, I don't drink too much. Pancreatitis at the age of 30 was unheard of. Yay for me, another record. While in the hospital, Perry was given um, 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 diluted, diluted, um, an opioid that alters the brain's relationship to pain. It was my new favorite drug, he wrote, and I would have stayed in that that hospital for 100 days if they kept um, administering it. Um, 2001, Perry enters rehab. Perry forced the production of his 2002 film Serving Sarah to be postponed after entering rehab in February 2001 for addiction to Vicodin, Methadone, and amphetamines and alcohol. He spent two and a half months in treatment at an undisclosed rehab center. Um, Everything's clear for one split second, Perry told the New York Times in 2002 following his stint in the facility. I realized I've got to save myself. I I got on the phone and called the people who were willing to help me. Um... In 2011, Perry determined to focus on my sobriety. Um, In 2011, the actor announced he was planning to go off the grid to focus on my sobriety. I'm making plans to go away for a month to focus on my sobriety and to continue my life in recovery, Perry said in his statement. Please enjoy making fun of me on the World Wide Web. According to a since-deleted People article, the star had checked himself into rehab but had not suffered a relapse 2013 perry converts home into a sobering living into a sober living room in 2013 the massachusetts native left his malibu beach home and reorganized it as the perry house which helped men battling addiction to alcohol I've had a lot of ups and downs in my life and a lot of wonderful accolades, he told The Hollywood Reporter in 2015. The best thing about me is that if an alcoholic comes up to me and says, will you help me stop drinking? I would say, yes, I know how to do that. Perry took, Perry sold the Malibu estate for $10.7 million in, 2000, in 2015 and said he was looking to open a center elsewhere. Hmm. That's pretty dope. That's pretty dope of him to care about the people who are struggling with addiction. And um yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um yes, and and, and this is very fascinating of him to do so. Um, you know, using his experience of addiction to drinking and stuff it really it's 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 very 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 honorable of him to do so so yeah there you have it right there that that's great that's good
All right. Um, He said, in quote, I'm keeping the business going because I like it. It's a good way to help alcoholics, Perry told the Hollywood Reporter. Another location never happened. Um, yeah. Another location never happened. Hmm. Okay, let me... Okay, so... Wait. Um, another location never happened. Let me see. Yes. 2018, Perry suffers a gastrointestinal perforation. Perry said he nearly lost his life in 2018 after suffering a gastrointestinal perforation. Doctors reportedly told him he only had a 2% chance of survival. He told Diane Sawyer last year that he was hooked up to a breathing machine while, um, while in a medically induced coma. The doctors told my family that I had a 2% chance to, to live, Perry explained. Um, he also said, in quote, I was put on a thing called an, an ECMO machine, which does all the breathing for your heart and lung and your lungs. And that's called a Hail Mary. No one survives that. Perry spent nearly two weeks in a coma and five months in the hospital. He was forced to use a colostomy colostomy bag for nine months not sure what that is but yeah i could look it up okay between 2021 to 2022 perry overcomes addiction in early 2021 perry overcame his addiction to alcohol and drugs claiming to live a healthy life since then <clears throat> um shortly before the release of his memoir, memoir in November 2022, Perry told people that he was grateful to be alive. And quote, I'm an extremely grateful guy. I'm grateful to be alive. That's for sure. And that gives me the possibility to do anything Perry shared with people for its October 31st, 2022 cover story. Although his journey towards sobriety was tough, Perry said that it made him stronger in every way. What I'm most surprised with is my resilience. The way I the way that I can bounce back from all of this torture and awfulness, Perry said, wanting to tell the story, even though it's a little scary to tell all your 
your secrets in a book. I didn't leave anything out. Everything is in there. Perry said that his story is one that's filled with hope because I am here. Yeah, so um, a little side note here about uh, Matthew Perry. He he planned on he planned on opening a foundation to help um, people with addiction, a foundation that could help many people that have struggles with alcohol and any other addictions. So that's pretty dope. So, you know, um, SIP to Matthew Perry. All right. So, so very commendable guy who, um, who wanted to help people with their addictions. So that's pretty dope on, on that one. All right. Um, I'm not going to say, um, I'm not going to say how dope it is compared to this next story of SAG after, which is going to be a little bit of a recap. Ah, man. After the frustration of all these negotiations and stuff, according to Variety, uh, SAG Astra advised its members Monday night that negotiations will resume on Tuesday, but warned that the two sides remain far apart on key issues. So the union and the major studios have been bargaining for a week, focusing on issues like increases in minimum payments, a new residual model in streaming and artificial intelligence. The committee worked independently today. Um, we will be meeting with the AMPTP Tuesday. The union advised its membership while talks over the past week have been productive. We remain far apart on key issues. The union the union asked members to keep up with the pressure on the studios by posting on social media and coming out in force to the picking lines. The studios have um, warned that unless a deal is reached this week, it will be impossible for the broadcasters to salvage uh, half a season of scripted television. The 2024 summer movie season is also increasingly um, in peril as more and more films have been delayed into 2025. Of course, obviously, Duncan Crabtree Island, the union's top negotiator, appeared on the picket lines on Monday morning and said that he remains cautious, cautiously optimistic about the talks. And as long as we keep talking, as as long as we're moving things forward, that is what needs to be happening, he said. There has been progress, and that's the source of my continued cautious optimism. The union has sought to establish a framework of regulations around the use of artificial intelligence to create digital doubles, while the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers has said that it agrees that performers must give consent and be paid for AI use. The union has long maintained that the devil is in the details. Crabtree Island, Ireland said Monday that the union is still pushing to limit AI consent to a single project. He said the studios instead want a consent to be valid for the entire run of a franchise. The union has also sought to give itself a veto over AI uses, which the studios have resisted. 
let me tell you something, man. I actually was talking to a cousin of mine while I was on the Q5 bus coming home from um work um that Friday. And and we was chatting about the whole the whole AI shit, right? The artificial intelligence shit, right? And what I was trying to explain to him that the thing with artificial intelligence trying to, you know, you know, mimicking people's voices, trying to, you know, you know, scam people for lightness and all that other stuff. That shit is not to me, that shit can't be legal, man. That shit cannot be legal. And I think the student and I think the studios have lost their fucking minds too. You know what I'm just you know what I'm saying? Um and to me, to me, um, and this goes back to um the two the two music artists who are against um artificial intelligence, and that's Ice Cube and Drake. And I actually did a two top I actually actually did two topics about um what they were saying and how they were feeling about this. And I have to agree with them, man. Anybody's using artificial intelligence and all that other crazy shit should be sued. Especially the people from Chat GPT, you crazy motherfuckers. You, you think you think taking you think taking someone's likeness and and their voice for TV for movies and TV TV shows and whatnot, that is that is just a terrible fucking idea. You know what I'm saying? And speaking of terrible ideas, SAG Astra is not innocent in all this. And here's this next story that we have to recap too. So Mandy Moore and of course Ryan Reynolds, of course, <laughs> also chimed in on all the all the mess too. Um <laughs> so get this, man. Get this. So and this took place last, I think last um yeah, last week. So, um, according to the uh the New York Post. So, time to trash your Barbie pink dresses and Oppenheimer hats because SAG Astra isn't having it this Halloween. Mandy Moore has slammed the guild the guild's recent Halloween costume rules as the actors union has created guidelines for striking performers who want to dress up as film or TV characters this year for the spooky holiday. Um the Chasing Liberty actress, um, age 39, I didn't know she was 39, took to social media Thursday to blast the union. Alongside an article of the costume band by Variety, Moore wrote on her Instagram stories, is this a joke? Come on, Stag Astra. This is what's important. We're asking you to negotiate in good faith on our behalf. She went on. She continues. So many folks across every aspect of the of this industry have been sacrificing sacrificing mightily for months get back to the table and get a fair deal so everyone can get back to work please and thank you and of course um and of course um yeah sag after detailed their rules on october 31st in a blog post on their website Choose costumes inspired by generalized characters and figures. Ghost, zombie, spider, 
etc. The Guild suggested adding that popular costumes from projects such as Wednesday Barbie and Oppenheimer should not be shared on social media. They recommend that members should celebrate Halloween this year while also staying in solidarity with the actors with the ongoing actor strike. This is listen. Let me just say this. I, I need. Let me just say this shit though, man. This is the most fucking crazy, idiotic, asinine shit that I ever heard in my life, man. You're telling people not to wear popular costumes because you're in a fucking mess that you put yourself in. You put yourself in that mess. You feel what I'm saying? And on top of and on top of that, that's just plain awful, man. Like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, as I was saying, man, never in the history of all the years when it comes to Halloween that a fucking union is telling people that they can't wear popular costumes. Well, guess what? Well, guess what? Some of the people chose to do that. Like, you can't, like, seriously, what does the Halloween costumes got to do with fucking, um, making a damn deal man like seriously 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 that has to be the most diabolical dumbest shit that i ever heard in my life and, and you, you're, you're controlling people you're controlling people in terms of how they should actually you know live their lives as far as like as far as like halloween's concerned i don't know if you noticed but people lost their fucking homes. People lost their fucking homes. And they're out in the street. Hold on a sec. You know what the worst part is about SAG after they tried to waste their time and energy on video game industries, which is so fucking ridiculous. Like, seriously, this is like, come on, man. Like, this is my this is my fucking issue with with this, man. My question. My question. Um, 
to these group of people in the union is why like that has to be the most ridiculous ridiculous shit that I ever heard in my life like come on man you know I think the lesson I think the lesson here is man you cannot control people I don't give a damn if it's solid solidarity or not these are people's lives you're playing around with they already lost their homes they you really have people that lost their jobs they can't even provide food for their families and everything else in between you know what i'm saying so y'all not innocent in all this compared to the amptp y'all not innocent in all this you know what I'm saying? Hold on. Yeah, y'all not innocent in all this shit, though, man. Like, seriously, that that to me, <laughs> that to me, man, that was just so fucking stupid right there. Um, You know what I mean? So, so, yeah, man. So, let's continue, man. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, right. Solidarity, my ass. They noted that the reason to not post costumes online is to give studios publicity. Oh, gosh, really? <sighs> oh, brother. Um, before I continue, let me just say this though, man. I have to agree with particularly YouTubers, especially especially Neon and Geeky Sparkles and all these other YouTubers and stuff, man, who are basically against um joining a union like SAG Astra. 
because after the stunt that they pulled, man, that shit is not that shit is not fucking funny, man. And to make matters worse, it's it's very fucking expensive to join a fucking union. Like seriously, a union is supposed to protect people from the craziness and all the other stuff, not fucking wasting their time and and their bullshit solidarity on fucking Halloween costumes and video game video game industries. Like, come on, man. Like, get your shit together. That's all I have. That's all I'm gonna say right there, man. I'm just gonna keep it at that though. All right, man. Um all right, so back in July, when the strike first began, Moore was on the picket lines and told the Hollywood Reporter how she was paid very little when viewers watched her hugely successful drama, no NBC drama, um, This Is Us. Um, the candy singer played Rebecca Pearson on the series from 2016 to 2022 and revealed to the outlet that she's received checks for as little as a penny to 81 cents for residual streaming payments. Okay. Um, The residual issue is a huge issue, she cited. We're in incredibly unfortunate positions as working actors having been on shows that found tremendous success in one way or another. She pointed it out, but many actors in our position for years before us were able to live off of residuals or at least pay their bills. Um, little side note here. Um, even Ryan Reynolds actually chimed in on the whole, whole fucking bullshit of, of banning Halloween costumes and stuff, man. <laughs> and he said that he can't, he can't wait for his daughter to be a scab and all that other shit, though, man. That's that to me is just crazy, though, man. And um, let's see. Yeah, and speaking of video game companies, they also try to strike against video game companies too. Okay, and this is according to um, Gamer Game Rant. Okay, so um, SAG after the workers union represent re- represent um, media professionals may go on strike against major video game companies like Activision and Electronic Arts. The union previously went on strike in 2016 over contract negotiations for voice actors. With the strike lasting nearly a year, uh, the union is now seeking an 11% retroactive increase in rates protections from AI replacing um, human performers and safety precautions for voice actors. Um, Let's see. SAG Astra, the top union representative media workers in the United States, could soon embark on another massive strike, this time against major video game uh, companies like Activision and Electronic Arts. On July 13th, the Screen Actors Guild and American Federation of Television and Radio Artists voted to join the Writers Guild of of America in a a major strike against the Alliance of Motion Picture and television producers, causing the production of various films and movies to grind to a halt worldwide. Talks between the two groups have reached a standstill in the months since, and there seems, seems to be no sign of a strike ending deal in sight. 
Um, like I said, this is a recap of what went down with SAG Astra. Um, while many of the actors in SAG Astra also lend their talents to video game voice work, the current walkout has only affected their work on movies and TV shows as the union is under a separate contract with game publishers like Activision and EA Sports. Um, SAG Astra previously went on strike against these and other companies back in 2016 over contract negotiations for voice actors, with said strike lasting nearly a year before an agreement was made. Now it seems that history could repeat itself in the wake of SAG Astra's protests against the larger entertainment industry. Oh, gosh. Um, On Friday... Yes, on Friday, SAG Astra announced that it will seek authorization for a second strike against the major video game companies after negotiations over a renewed contract reached reached a stalemate. Oh Lord. Oh Lord. I feel bad for the people who are um who who create these games and audit and everything else in between. That's just to me. <laughs> They are wasting their fucking time about video games. Now I get the voice actors part, but come on, son! Like this is so fucking ridiculous. I'm sorry, but but I can agree on certain things, but not everything, man. Nah, 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 nah. That right there is just that's just too much, right there. That's too much. I want to consider this story actually to be run over. <laughs> All right, um, let's continue here. All right. Um, most of the union's concerns and demands mirror the ones fueling, fueling their current strike against AMPTP with SAG Astra asking for an 11% retroactive increase in rates for video game performers, followed by increases of 4% and 4%. They also want protections from AI replacing human performers, a topic that many well known voice actors voice actors have voiced their concerns with over the past few months um yeah um yeah um sag astra is also seeking 
rest periods, and safety protections for voice actors, such as an on-set medic similar to the ones available on TV and film sets, and a pro prohibition against stunts during self-tape auditions. In a recent press statement, SAG after presidents, Fran Dresser, um, aka the nanny, accused the major video game companies like Activision of showing um greed and disrespect during current negotiations while a spokesperson for said companies named audrey cooling claimed that her clients are bargaining in good faith and hope to reach a mutually beneficial deal as soon as possible sag astro will cast ballots on whether to go on strike at 5 p.m pacific time on september 25th uh, i don't i don't think it happened thank goodness with a series of informational meetings for affected members being held during the voting period. The effects of a voice after strike on any future gaming projects aren't clear, but the work of performers like God of War's Christopher Judge plays a crucial role in video game storytelling, and they deserve to be paid and treated fairly for their efforts. Hopefully both parties involved can reach a fair deal that gives said actors fair wages and better safety precautions while doing voice work and motion capture for games. Listen, California's already losing money as it is, man. So I don't think it's I don't think it's really worth the time and the energy to be wasting your time on fucking video games. When California's already suffering um a loss of six point five billion dollars, okay, and that's hard to recover in, in in an in an economy like like this. Like that shit is crazy, man. Like seriously, this is just. This is so fucking crazy, man. I'm sorry, but <laughs> this is so fucking crazy, man. But anyway, let's get, let's get into uh, let's get into all right. Let's let's do some highlights from Halloween, shall we? Let's do some highlights from Halloween. Um, well, wait, not right now though. Let me do the Black China shit and. All the other stuff though um all right let me do black china before i go to the halloween shit all right so all right so um so this is according to source Black China continues to prove why 2023 is her year. Her after her recent positive transformation, taking out all of her plastic surgery and going completely sober. Her real name is Angela White, is more than ever aligned with herself and her purpose, sending a positive message out to audiences all around the world that they too are beautiful as they are. Um okay. And um, on Wednesday, October 25th, Black China graced the red carpet at the Future Stars Charity Gala, later being honored with the Community um, Impact Award alongside Romeo Miller and Don Benjamin. The goal of the Black Tie Community event was to raise money for an underprivileged kids in the community who can't afford basketball clinics or camps. 
Um, S. Zilfi Taylor, future star, CEO, and financial advisor for Top Celebrities, introduces Angela White. She is a powerful woman and an example of what faith in action looks like, Taylor states. In the past year, this influential star boldly took her social media impact journey to her authentic self. Without any shame, she allowed the public to hop along this journey with her, focusing on her physical health, sobriety, and the Bible. The most radical thing a person can do is be consistent. This mother of two has been nothing far from consistent in her powerful, powerful transformation that has inspired many, including younger generations. She involved, she's involved in with empowering underprivileged youth and serving and partnering with different organizations such as Boys and Girls Club. We're excited to present this community impact award to Angela White. Hmm. Of course, Black China then took the stage to share a few words herself. So, end quote, I'm so happy to see so many beautiful faces in this community impact awards award means so much. White says, this just lets me know that there is light on the other side. With that being said, I'm not going to make this award about me. This is a message that I wanted to give to the youth to the children that's not here today. I I want to let y'all know that you are worth it. Your voices will be heard. You have an entire community that is behind you willing to take these steps because you guys are the future, the future of America and many more things to come. I really appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for this opportunity and this award tonight. Throughout Black China's career, she's always making a point to give back. This is just one example of something she does behind the scenes when the cameras are not present. Well, that's pretty dope. Okay, um, let me, um, all right, let me, let me, let's make some noise. Let's make some noise for Black China, a.k.a. Angela White. All right, um, before we get to the next topic.
right, we got some Halloween recaps to go over from to go over, and of course, obviously, um, obviously, the name of the obviously the name of the episode is Halloween season full of full of candies and snacks. So let's go over let's go over that right there, man. The best and worst, um, the best and worst, um, the best and worst candies. Yes. All right. So let's get into it right here. Um. Uh, let's see. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. All right. Best and worst Halloween candies. Let's get into it right here. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. So this is from Deseret.com. Of course, obviously, the scariest thing about Halloween might be checking out your candy after a long night of trick-or-treating only to find out um you've been given none of your favorite treats and all the bad ones which are apparently circus peanuts and candy corn per candy store this year halloween is this year halloween is bigger than ever so maybe it is safe to accept exceptional trick-or-treating in 2023 especially in utah According to data from Instacart, this is a recap, folks. Um, more Americans than ever will be reaching into their wallets and spending a record amount of money to celebrate Halloween this year, National Retail Federation President and CEO Matthew Shea said. Consumers will be shopping early for festive decor and other related um items and retailers are prepared with the inventory to help customers and their families take part in this popular and fun tradition of course um let's take a look at which Halloween which halloween candies are most popular and where the best locations and are for trick-or-treating of course obviously what is the most popular halloween candy in the u.s okay these are the candies most likely to end up on the, your trick-or-treating stash. According to the candy store, these these are the most commonly purchased Halloween candies. Making it back into the top 10 this year is candy corn, yuck, and M&M's, yes. Whoa. Let's... Uh, <laughs> oh, man. First of all, first of all, I hate candy corn. I don't like candy corn, man. That shit is disgusting. So, to me, that is a fucking... That's a fucking no for me on candy corn. And a yes to M&M's. <laughs> oh shit oh man oh yeah m&m's are beginning to threaten reese's peanut butter cups number one position well reese's is still number one reese's peanut butter cups is still number one on top m&m's is number two number three hot tamales <laughs> Tamale, hot tamales what the what the fuck is that 
Skittles, Sour Patch Kids, Starbucks, Starbucks, Starburst, excuse me. Not Starbucks, folks. Starburst. Um, Hershey's Kisses. Candy corn. Yuck. Hershey's mini bars and Snickers. All right, let's go to the let's go to what is the best Halloween candy in the U.S. Among the best Halloween candies in the U.S. are Snickers and Sour Patch Kids per Data Candy Store. Okay, let's go to let's go to um the best Halloween candies of this year in 2023. All right, we got Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Yes. Hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We got Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. What's going on here? And we also have... We also have M&M's. Um... Snickers, hot tamales, and um, <laughs> Skittles, and of course, Sour Patch Kids, and <laughs> um, Hershey's Bar, um. Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off that piece of that Kit Kat bar. <laughs> Twix. No. <laughs> yes. And last but not least, my all-time favorite candy bar with peanut butter inside of it, other than Reese's, other than Twix, is... Butterfinger. Now we go to the worst. Now we go to the worst. The worst Halloween candy. Okay. Of course, Circus Peanuts, known for their stale texture and mild flavor, claim to claim the spot as worst Halloween candy in America per candy store. And number two is candy corn, which ironically holds a spot uh, among the most popular Halloween candy. All right. All right. Circus candy. Number one, circus candy. Hold on a minute. Circus candy. Number two, candy corn. <laughs> oh shit yeah candy corn um neko wafers what the hell and um yeah <laughs> peanut butter kisses i don't understand how's that considered the worst man i like those and um Wax cola bottles. And um 
Mary Jane's. <laughs> that sounds like a drug, man. Yeah. Um. Oh man, Smarties. I I have to disagree with that. Smarties is pretty good too. I actually had those before. Um. And um, licorice kind of reminds me of Twizzlers a little bit, though. Um, yeah. And um, bit oh honey. And we and last but not least. Of the worst Halloween candy is the Tootsie Roll. All right. <laughs> All right. So there's more. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Okay. Um. Okay. Um. All right. Let's keep going with this. Let's keep going. Um. Hang on a second. All right. Utah City's ranked for, for best trick-or-treating. In honor of Halloween, Instacart launched a tool which provides every zip code with a scare score or how much Halloween spirit their community has. Candy, costume, and spooky decor. Purchases are all factors Instacart uses to, to determine... How much holiday, holiday spirit each zip code has. This year, two Utah cities ranked in the top 10. Um, Lehigh, Utah took the number one position with a 100 scare score. And Saratoga Springs, Utah came in, came in fifth with a 98.5 scare score. End quote. It's worth noting that half of Halloween's best haunts are in Utah and Texas, two states that clearly love to get into the Halloween spirit. So whether you find yourself in the picturesque landscapes of Utah or the sprawling Texan towns, you are in for a Halloween treat, notes Instacart. All right, so here are the top 10 U.S. cities for trick-or-treating, according to Instacart. So you got number one, Lehigh, Utah. Number two, Dallas, Texas. Number three, Houston, Texas. Number four, South Lake, South Lake, South, South Lake, Texas. Number five, Saratoga Springs, Utah. Number six, um, Chicago, Illinois, a.k.a. Chi-Town. Um, number seven, Beaumont, California. Number eight, Long Island City, Long Island, Long Island, where my job is, not too far from the mall, is Garden City, New York. Morristown, New Jersey, number nine. <laughs> um, number 10, Lancaster, California. Okay, so most popular Halloween candy by U.S. state. This year, U.S. Um, spent on Halloween candy is predicted to be more than $12.2 billion, uh, according to the National Retail Federation. Wow. Wow. Wow.
Wow. Okay. Um Okay, so um let me see. Let's let's keep going. All right, so um yes, yeah, so um yes, so um the most popular Halloween candies nationwide include Reese's peanut butter cups, yes, M&M's, hot tamales. I don't even know what that is. I don't know what that shit is. Skittles and South Patch Kids. Below is a breakdown of favorite Halloween candies by U.S. State per data from Candy Store. <laughs> oh, man. Let's see. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, Alabama, Skittles, Starbucks. No, man. Starbursts. I keep saying Starbucks, man. Come on. Yes, Starburst. Hershey's Mini Bars. Alaska, Twix, Sour Patch Kids, Milky Way. Arizona, Hershey's Kisses. Hot Tamales. I don't know know what the fuck that is. Snickers. um, Arkansas. Butterfinger. Jolly Rancher. Most popular candy that I grew up um, having. Um, M&M's. California. M&M's, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Skittles, Colorado, Milky Way, Hershey's Kisses, Twix, Connecticut, Almond Joy, Milky Way, and M&M's. Delaware, Sour Patch Kids, Skittles, Lifesavers. Florida, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Skittles, Hot Tamales. Georgia, Jolly Ranchers, Swedish Fish, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Hawaii, Hershey's Mini Bars. Skittles, Butterfingers, Idaho, Snickers, Starburst, and Yucky Candy Corn, Illinois, Sour Patch Kids, Kit Kat, Starburst, Indiana, Starburst, Hot Tamales, Jolly Ranchers, Iowa, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, M&M's, Hershey's Mini Bars, Kansas, M&M's, Sour Patch Kids, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Kentucky, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Hot Tamales, Swedish Fish. Louisiana, Lemonheads, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Blow Pops. Maine, Sour Patch Kids, Candy Corn, Yuck. Starburst. Maryland, Hershey's Kisses, Hershey's Mini Bars, and of course Reese's Cups. Massachusetts. We have Butterfinger, Sour Patch Kids, Double Bubble Gum. Hold on. Yeah, um, yeah, Michigan, Starburst, Candy Corn, Butterfinger, Minnesota, Hop Tamales, Tootsie Pops, Skittles, Mississippi, Three Musketeers, Snickers, Butterfinger. Missouri, Almond Joy, Milky Way, Hot Tamales. Montana, Twix, M&M's, Double Bubblegum. Nebraska, Sour Patch Kids, Saltwater Taffy. (laughs) Oh, man. And Twix. (laughs) Nevada. um. (laughs) Oh, shit. 
Nevada Hershey's mini bars, hot tamales, Hershey kisses, New Hampshire, um, Reese's Reese's cups, Eminem Starburst, um, New Jersey, Tootsie Pops, Eminem Skittles, New Mexico, hot tamales, candy corn, Hershey's mini bars, New York, the place that I was born and raised in the neck of the woods. Sour Patch Kids, Hot Tamales, I don't know what that is, man. Candy Corn, Yucky. <laughs> North Carolina, <laughs> North Carolina, <laughs> M&M's, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Hershey's Mini Bars, North Dakota, Hot Tamales, Candy Corn, Jolly Ranchers, Ohio, Blow Pops, Eminem Starburst, um, Oklahoma Skittles, Double Bubble Gum, Snickers, Oregon Eminem's Reese's Cups, Candy Corn, Pennsylvania Hershey's Mini Bars, Eminem Skittles, Rhode Island Eminem's Twix, Candy Corn, South Carolina Skittles, Butterfinger, Candy Corn, South Dakota Starburst, Jolly Rancher, Candy Corn, Yuck. Tennessee, Tootsie Pops, Saltwater Taffy, Skittles. Texas, South, pa- South excuse me, Sour Patch Kids, um, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Starburst. Utah, Candy Corn, Yuck, Tootsie Pops, and M&M's. Vermont, M&M Skittles, Milky Way. Virginia, Butterfinger, M&M's, and hot tamales. Still don't still don't know what that fucking shit is. Washington, DC, Eminem's Tootsie Pops, Blow Pops. Washington. <laughs> they did that twice. Wow. Tootsie Pops, Saltwater Taffy, Eminem's. West Virginia, Hershey's Mini Bars, Blow Pops, Hot Tamales, Wisconsin, Butterfinger, Hot Tamales, and Starburst. Wyoming. Reese's peanut butter cups, saltwater taffy, double bubble gum. And um, okay, so we got another Halloween highlight that we need to go over too, actually. So there is this thing that I didn't even know about. There's this thing that I didn't even know about, actually. So um so colossal skeletons, actually, man. And I actually saw a video about this, and this is from Pop Crush. Um, slash TikTok giant skeleton. So let's see. So, um, do you know how to tell, um, it's officially fall when you see a gi- gigantic skeleton busting out of a parking lot in a Jeep? It's safe to say that fall is here and the spooky season is upon us. We know that because a giant skeleton decoration was just seen sitting in a Jeep pouring out of a Wegman's parking lot. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> and when we say giant, we mean giant. Um, the skeletal sensation was seated in the back of the four-door vehicle. The top was off of the Jeep so that the upper half of the giant had plenty of head and arm space. The back doors were removed so that there was 
plenty of leg room for the skeletons. Laurel have to hug the inside. No, excuse me, the outside of the vehicle. Oh, and the jeep sides. The, the jeep's side step bars made for perfect footrest. Make no bones. <laughs> make no bones about it. <laughs> oh shit <laughs> this is the perfect ride for this creepy halloween creation <laughs> yeah you see it yourself i'm not gonna play it though man i ain't gonna play it though um i'm pretty sure y'all probably heard saw this on tiktok already um we know what you're thinking first off this is awesome second how do you get one well, good news. They actually are hard to find. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Um, where to buy a giant skeleton decoration? You can pick up your larger-than-life skeleton decoration at a number of places. If you have a vehicle like a Jeep that can fit this thing, you can grab one from your local hardware store. <laughs> um, Home Depot selling, selling a 12-feet giant-sized skeleton with life eyes, um, LCD eyes for, of course, $299. Damn. Um, if you don't have a vehicle to pick one of pick one of one of these bad boys up and you can go the delivery route amazon has a similar item but it can cost you up to upwards of one thousand dollars yikes damn son really really though <laughs> i wouldn't even I wouldn't be caught dead wasting thousands of dollars on a fucking skeleton when you can just go the cheaper route <laughs> oh shit that's so funny man this is the funniest shit that i've ever heard in my life oh man hang on hang on hang on hang on Yes, there's more. Um, <laughs> oh man, there's more to this story. Oh man, there's more to this story. Um, let me let me get to where I left off here. Um, yeah. So this is a recap, actually. This is one of the recapping Halloween highlights. Um, either way, it's sure to grab some attention and take your freaky festivities to the next level here's what some com commenters had to say the, the hands say he's questioning your driving and i love it um love it those are my kind of people this is pure beauty man come on man what the this is pure beauty i I pray for ultimate blessings for that individual, and I will fight anyone, anyone who blocks that. Hold on. Let me just lower this. Yeah. Um. Okay. Um. This would be amazing at the trunk 
or treat. He needs a glass of wine after leaving Wegmans. <laughs> um, House from original Halloween movie for sale. I'm not even going to really get into that right there. I'm not going to get into this. Um, I'm not going to get into this shit, though. But anyway, um, they, <laughs> I did come across some of the some of the costumes. Um, I did come across some of the costumes that had um, the, 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 the issue, the, the thing with um, Taylor Swift and Travis um, Kelsey. They some of the people had um Travis Travis Kelsey and Tra- and um Taylor Swift's costumes up in front of their houses and shit. And <laughs> I'm like, yo, you gotta be kidding me, man. You got to be fucking kidding me. Like this is crazy. Um this is crazy right here, man. Um all right, so um Haley Bieber, excuse me, not Bieber, Bailey. Barely, excuse me. Um, according to hip hop, hot new hip hop. Um, yes. Yeah, so let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. So, all right. So this is crazy, and I ain't even. All right. So since pregnancy rumors in the air first began swirling around Haley Bailey and DDG, not sure what that stands for, this summer. The singer's silence on the topic led many to believe that the gossip is true. The fact that the 23-year-old has been, has often been wearing oversized dresses to red red carpet events in recent months hasn't done much to clamp, to calm things down. When she and her beau um, <laughs> were walking around Santa Monica in their sweatpants earlier in October, the the internet felt ready to um make the announcement for the young couple um as she appeared to have a buddy a budding baby bump under her sweatshirt many have been waiting for bailey to share some exciting news with her followers however the atlanta native has instead kept us on our toes today october 29th she's showing off a notably slender figure when revealing her 2023 Halloween costume in tandem with DDG. The pair went as the lead characters from the rated R 19, the rated R movie in of 1993's um, Poetic Justice, played by Janet Jackson and the late great Tupac Shakur. Um wow. Um Bailey has long been compared to the R&B legend physically, and her vocals are a great match for Jackson's talent. Surprisingly, social media users even had um, compliments for the YouTuber. Despite the negative reputation he seems to have amongst Bailey's fan base, this kind of wins me over with DDG, but but he got one more time to mess it up. <laughs> um laugh out loud one user joked elsewhere in the comments fellow artists like Flo Millie and Lakaya gassed the pair up for their creativity as internet sleuths have certainly um already noted this now marks the second IG 
upload from Haley Bailey with no dis- discernible signs of a baby bump. Um, for those of you who may not know what IG stands for, it stands for Instagram. Of course, it's entirely possible that she and DDG planned ahead and took photos for Halloween before her body changed too much. But still, we won't know for sure if the actress is headed toward motherhood until she tells us so herself. Do you think Bailey and her bow and her bow have what it takes to become parents so early on in life? Um, yeah. Um, look. Yes, yeah, so um unless you didn't hear from her mouth or whatever case scenario may be, it's just a rumor in the fucking air. All right. So so as far as them being future parents, sure. Um they could get they could give it a shot. It would be interesting to see on their adventure. All right. And as far as them being in the poetic justice um costumes and stuff, I think it's pretty lit. And I'm just gonna leave it at that though, man. So <laughs> I'm gonna leave it at that though, folks. Um Okay, we got some more Halloween highlights to go over, actually. So, um, let's see. Um, let's see. Let's see. Hold on. Forty nine. Okay. Um, I'm gonna be taking a shower after this, anyway. All right. So we have the uh, the New York Restoration Project's twenty seventh annual Halloween um, gala. Okay. So let's. Let's get into it right here. I don't know what's going on here, but let's wait for this to load and let's see. Wait for this to load and then from there. Um, wait, 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 wait. It's not finished loading. Don't know why. Hold on a second. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, let's see. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, um, okay, let's see. Um, let's see, let's see. I don't know what's going on here. I don't know what's, what's happening. It's supposed to. The hell's going on here? Oh, wait, 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 wait. I don't know what the hell's going on here. Um Mhm. All right, um, I don't know what's going on here. There's gotta be some stories, man. I'm not not so sure what's going on. Anyway, um, let me let me see if there's a way for me to find more information about this, folks. Hold on a sec. Um wait a minute. 
Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Hold on. Yes, Coley Bailey. I forgot to do that one. Hold on a second. I forgot to do that one. All right. Let's do this one. All right. Let me just do this. So, um, according to according to Billboard, fans call Chloe Bailey mother on social media all the time. So it's fitting that she's now the mother of dragons. <laughs> on Thursday, um, Bailey unleashed her early Halloween costume on Instagram, transforming into Daenerys Targaryen um, from Game of Thrones. And Evan Photos shared to Instagram one, one for each of the Seven Kingdoms, of course. Bailey wears a long blonde wig and a bodysuit made of metal to become Danny who was played by actress Amelia Clark in the 2011 to 2019 HBO series based on George R R Martin's song a song of ice and fire book series I am Khaleesi the mother of dragons um hashtag #game of thrones Bailey captioned the photo set alongside a dragon emoji. For the photo um, shoot, Bailey is on a medieval set surrounded by dragon eggs, skulls, candies, no, excuse me, candles, and an hourglass and sitting atop a throne. Um, It's not quite the Iron Throne, which is famous for its intimidating sword jutting out of the top but it definitely gets the restoros vibe just right bailey isn't the bailey this isn't bailey's first brush with the game of thrones series as part of chloe and Haley, alongside sister Haley bailey the duo contributed the haunting song wolf at your door to the 2019 album for the throne music inspired by the HBO series Game of Thrones, which also featured contributions from Marin Morris, Mumford and Sons, and the Lumineers, as well as a collaborative track from SZA, The Weeknd, and Travis Scott. All right, so there you have it right there. There you have it right there. Now, as far as the gala, I'm not too sure if I could get more information about that, but let's see. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm gonna skip the gala, the gala part. Hold on a second. Did I include that? Um, I don't think I included that. Um, but um. But yes, I did mention I did mention the um <laughs> yeah, 50 Cent always trying to react to everything, man. But anyway, <laughs> um okay, so yeah, um <laughs> um you know one thing I'll say before I go on to um the next topic is the fact that you know, SAG Astra has been tearing families apart, which is a damn shame. And 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 really, they need to really, they need to, um, they really need to get their shit together. I'm I'm not kidding. This is so crazy. Anyway, I just wanted to say, I just wanted to say it 
um i didn't get a chance to mention it while i was talking about it so um so there you have it right there so um let's see let's see what else can we talk about here yes we can talk about the recent movie that came out yes we can talk about the recent movie that came out recently which is um Yes, we could talk about Five Nights at Freddy's and stuff, man. You know what I'm saying? Let's talk about that. Um, yeah, let's talk about that shit, though, man. And our segment that I like to call... Um, let me see. Let me just get... Hang on one second here. Um, before I even get to... Yes. It's... So, of course, even though Five Nights at Freddy's has been number one for one weekend, actually, but there's also a drop by 76%. I'll explain that afterwards in the segment Movie Man K Popcorn. So stick around for this, folks. And as I break down the, the drop of it in a couple seconds, just stick. Stick around. Okay, um, obviously, obviously, there's been some mixture of um, different points of views of, of um, Five Nights at Freddy's and stuff like that, right? Now, I never heard of the game in 2014. I never heard of it, actually, and neither, I didn't really, I didn't really care for it, though, you know, you know what I mean? I didn't really care for that shit, and as far as, like, as far as, like, um, so I found out recently from a worker of mine that that I um that I was speaking to from from work actually, and he told me that it it was an independent game for PC. There there was no there was I didn't see no commercials for the fucking Five Nights at Freddy's game. I didn't really I didn't really um. I didn't see no commercials for it though, so you know what I'm saying. And um, and this is according to Variety right here, man. And um, and I'll break down why it dropped the second weekend in a couple of minutes. So, a recap of the movie. So, Five Nights at Freddy's, of course, by Universal and Blumhouse, terrifying adaptation of the popular video game, made a killing in the in its box office debut debut with 80 million dollars in north america and 132 million dollars globally based on so for a 20 million dollar budgeted horror film that landed substantially simultaneously on on streaming um which is peacock these ticket sales would have been significantly by the end 
by the end of its theatrical run. Um, in just three days of release, Five Nights at Freddy's has um, already surpassed the entire global haul of 2022's Halloween Ends, which made $104 million and will soon overtake 2021's Halloween Kills, $133 million, um, which previously ranked as the high, the biggest hybrid releases from Universal and Peacock. And unlike Five Nights at Freddy's, um, those slasher films were sequels in a time-tested test film franchise. Yeah, you know, most people had, had a problem with the movie and, and of course, the PG-13 rating and all that other stuff, though. Like, look, man, if you're going to make a horror movie, man, you got you to gotta show, you gotta show the kills. You got to show the blood. All that shit, man. Like, this whole idea, this whole idea that you're dedicating the shit to the fans and all that other stuff was probably the, the, the biggest disaster ever. By putting it on Peacock was like the worst idea ever. It was the worst idea ever, man. And I'm going to just say this right now, man. And and I don't have to agree with every motherfucker who is a fan of Five Nights at Freddy's. And, and you know what's crazy, though? You want to know what's crazy? A YouTuber that I was watching um, a video of recently, and basically, um, I had to do a little research on Scott Cohen. Now, he's a writer. He's a writer and the creator. Of, he's a writer of the books and, of course, the creator of the video games that actually came, the video games that he created. Now, what I'm about to say is going to really, 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 really blow your fucking mind right here, man. So this YouTuber basically said that he's not a screenwriter. He never wrote a screenplay. He never wrote a screenplay in his life. Like, what the hell? Like, like he never wrote a screenplay in his life. Are you fucking kidding me? You got to be fucking kidding me, man. <laughs> you got to be fucking kidding me, man. Like, really? <laughs> like, this is crazy. This is fucking crazy, man. And I hate to say this. This is so fucking crazy to me and interesting at the same time. Oh, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Oh my goodness, man. Unfucking believable, man. <laughs> oh man. Unfucking believable, man. I, I can't believe this. I can't believe what I had to research and shit, though, man. Um that right there is just oh man. I don't know what's going on with this thing. <laughs> Oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. Whew. Wow. Wow. <laughs> this is so incredible right here, man. This is very this is so incredible right there. Oh my gosh. So fucking incredible right there, man. Believe it or not. 
Wow. That's crazy. And um wow. Oh man. Where's the ep I don't wow. So yeah. Ah, oh, man. You know, I don't know. This is just beyond me, okay? This is just beyond me. Ah, oh, man. This is far the most craziest shit that I ever heard in my life, all right? I don't understand. How can you call yourself... How can you call yourself a writer, but you never written a screenplay in your damn life? <laughs> this is highway robbery, folks. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my fucking gosh, man. This is crazy. This is insane. Let's keep going here, man. <laughs> oh shit! Oh shit! This is so fucking incredible, man. I'm I'm not kidding, man. I'm not kidding. Oh man, that's funny. Oh, oh man. Um. Okay, where were we here before I even? Yes, so every studio should be taking note. This can be a game changer and another clear blueprint for another level horror films and game adaptations, says Sean Robbins, chief analyst at Box Office Pro, pointing to the communal appeal of horror films. Uh, Look, man, you know... You know good and hella well that Five Nights at Freddy's is not going to make billions of dollars when they already made its money back. Even though they it made over two hundred dollars, it's not going to it's not going to make billions of dollars though compared to the Super Mario Brothers movie that came out and they already made billions of dollars already. So <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So remains to be seen, man. We'll see what happens with the numbers. Anyway, man. Um. Yeah, um, let's see. Yes, so <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, this could be yes. Yeah, so every studio should be taking note. This can be a can't game changer and another clear blueprint, not for event level level horror films and game adaptations, says Sean Robbins, chief analyst at Box Office Pro, pointing to the communal appeal of horror films. Um FNAF has become a I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say cult, man. That word really bothers me. I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say that shit, man. Like <laughs> I'm just gonna call it a classic, man. Fuck that cult shit. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Um, yeah, FNAF has become a classic over the past decade with a young and passionate fan base that represents an important segment of and of the up-and-coming generation of moviegoers. <laughs> Look, to all the directors and all these other people, to all the directors and writers and all that stuff that's making horror movies and all that other stuff, though, man, listen, you can't please everybody, man. You cannot please everybody. It doesn't matter if it's, like, kids or or anybody else in the general audiences, man. You got to do it for everybody, not just kids. And this is why I'm going to break down why Five Nights at Freddy's dropped 76% despite the fact that it really made his money back. I get it. But there's a downside to why it dropped though, man. And that's pretty bad though. You know what I'm saying? Um, anyway, so um let's see where do we where do yes, yeah, so Josh Hutchison stars in the horror film, which follows a nighttime security guard at a family entertainment center called Freddy. Freddy Fazbear's Pizza, which is a ripoff, <laughs> um, which is a which is a which is a ripoff to Chuck E. Cheese, <laughs> but he finds out the hard way that it's not exactly Chuck E. Cheese, Chuck E. Cheese, because well, these animatronic mascots are prone to murder. Um. A movie version of Five Nights at Freddy's has been in the works since 2015, but Jason Blum's company, Blumhouse, finally cracked the code. Box office analysts believe the PG-13 rating and prime Halloween release date also worked in its favor. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. The storyline of the fucking movie didn't make any sense. Even with the characters, the Vanessa part didn't make any sense. <laughs> um you know what I'm saying um anyway <laughs> so it's so fun when it works Blum wrote on X formerly known as Twitter thank you all so much for being patient with us on Five Nights at Freddy's we wanted to get it just right for the fans listen man I'm gonna say this again I'm gonna say this again but first, let me say hi to somebody in um the chat. JR Media Comics, um, appreciate you. I'm gonna say this again. If you are a producer, a person who owns a film company, a, a writer, and all that other stuff, who and 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 all that other stuff, right? You cannot please everybody, especially kids. You can't please everybody. You can't just please the, the, the people who are kids, okay? 
If you're making a horror movie and you include the word murder in there, it has to be an R-rated movie. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the shit, the shit was so corny like macaroni. Okay, <laughs> the shit was corny like macaroni. Okay, like seriously, man. Like I'm not even gonna hold you on that one, man. I'm not gonna hold you, and and I'll explain why it the the the, the trashy ass movie fucking dropped to seventy six percent in a couple of minutes. But anyway, um, <laughs> oh man. So, yeah, um, that's all we were focused on. Yeah, right. Anyway, I, I just said my piece. So, audiences have responded enthusiastically to the film, um, which landed at an A minus cinema score. Unlike unimpressed critics, it has a 25% Rotten Tomatoes. However, the kind of discrepancy usually doesn't matter for the horror genre. I don't even think it was some people in the comments that I saw was saying that um that it's it's not really a horror it's more like a comedy horror more like a comedy horror I guess um let me see and shout to the homie shout to the homie Rod for the Friends podcast man appreciate you man what's up with you how y'all doing how y'all doing man how's everything going hope y'all enjoyed your Halloween and everything else in between and all that great stuff right there, man, for real. So, so yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> now, in case you're wondering, I'm going over some, um, the recent movies that came out or whatever and how some people were saying that Five Nights of Phrase was pretty corny. You know what I'm saying? But there's more to this. <laughs> um, there's more to this, actually. So, um... Yes, so however, the, that kind of discrepancy usually doesn't matter f- for the horror genre. Word of mouth could prevent the second weekend slump <laughs> that usually plagues scary movies. But, <laughs> but either way, Finance and Phrase is already in the company of the nun, <laughs> 85, which made $85 million. Megan, another corny movie, which is not scary, $95 million. Scream 6. Andre $8 million as the highest grossing horror films of the year. Um, let's see what he says. <laughs> yeah, I hear that, man. I hear that, though, man. Um, <laughs> I hear that. Um, as the highest grossing horror film, films of the year. Yeah, Screen 6. Um, in addition to its Office Riches, Five Nights at Freddy's has been the most watched and biggest subscription driver since on Peacock since it dropped on October 26th. And as for me, I am as for me, Rod from the Friends Podcast, shouts to him right there. Um, I am still I am still soaking the, the celebration of reaching over 300 episodes of my podcast already. And this is just my way of trying to inspire people into not giving up in their goals and dreams. You know what I'm saying? And I know y'all already reached over 100 episodes already. And y'all in your 140s already. So um, congratulations to you guys, too. So so that's just my way of trying to inspire people, man, especially you guys and everybody else. You know what I'm saying? Not to give up 
Um, no matter what life throws at you, whether it's curveballs, breaking balls, whatever it is, man, you just have to hit it out the park, man, and just and just keep it moving. It may be tough in the long run, but don't give up, man. That's 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 coming from a fellow podcaster host like myself, man. All right. Yep. I needed this shit, man. You know what I mean? I really needed this shit though, man. That really it, it really helps, man. That a lot of people who inspired me to create this podcast, which I started like three years ago already. And it's been it's been therapeutic for me. And I needed this to gain a skill or something. And this is one of the skills I'm doing right now. So that's pretty, pretty amazing right now, man. So he said, can't you, Lamar, can't you play a small room? He said, Kendrick played a small room. I understand. Wait, what you mean? Um, let me get back to you on that. Anyway, um, <clears throat> let me get back to you on that. Um, let me see. So, so yes, yeah, so ever um let me see. Wait a second, wait, 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 wait. So, um, in addition to his box office riches, riches, Five Nights at Freddy's has been the most watched and the biggest subscription driver since on Peacock since it dropped on October 26th. However, Peacock has far fewer subscribers than rivals like Disney Plus and Netflix, and the streamer didn't provide metrics to back up these accolades. <laughs> um, hold on a minute. Yeah. Um. Some analysts um, believe a hybrid release um, leaves money on the table. The premium experience of watching a horror film is sitting shoulder to shoulder in a dark room, jumping, gasping, and laughing with a room full of strangers, says David A. Gross, who runs the movie consulting firm Franchise Entertainment Research. The audience that watches it at home this weekend will not get that experience and their ticket sales will be lost. With Five Nights at Freddy's, it didn't appear to stop too many fans from buying tickets. Um, here are all the bo box office records set by Five Nights at Freddy's in its opening weekend, according to Universal. Hang on one second. Um, back before section um, 80. There is video out there um Kendrick performing in front of a few people. Look at him now. He performing in front of stadiums. Was it this year or was it um or was it um before 2023? Um I <clears throat> all right, so Highest grossing opening weekend for Blumhouse, surpassing 2018's Halloween, $76.22 million. 19th Blumhouse film to open in first place at the box office. Um, biggest opening weekend of the year of, for a horror film. Not really counting it as that, but overtaking Scream 6, $44 million. Second largest debut. Of all time for a video game adaptation behind the Super Mario Brothers movie, $146.3 million. 
it made a billion it made billions of dollars man so it's not going to catch up to billions of dollars folks <laughs> um tied for the best opening weekend for a day and date streaming release with tw disney's 2021 marvel adventure black widow 80 million dollars in theaters and 60 million on disney plus hang on Before section eighty, gotcha. Um, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> yes. Yeah, so, um, biggest opening weekend ever for Universal and Peacock's hybrid releases, beating the slasher sequels twenty twenty one Halloween Kills forty nine million dollars and twenty twenty two Halloween Ends forty million dollars. Highest grossing opening weekend for Halloween weekend release, outperforming twenty elevens. Um, Puss in Boots, $34 million, third biggest um, debut for any horror film, trailing 2017's It, <laughs> um, $123 million, and 2019's It Chapter 2, um, R-rated horror movie, Pennywise and the Sewer the Clown. <laughs> oh, man. Um yeah <laughs> yeah 91 million dollars so best debut ever for pg-13 horror film besting 20 2000 2001 the mummy returns 68 million dollars um second biggest horror opening um of the year the nun 2 52.7 million dollars biggest horror opening of 2023 ahead of the Nun 2, $88.1 million. Highest grossing Blumhouse Global opening of all time ahead of Halloween, $91.8 million. All right. Um, let me see. All right, let's break, let's break down why Five Nights at Freddy's dropped 72. No, dropped at 76%, which is crazy to me. That's crazy to me. You know what I'm saying? That's very crazy right there, man. And I have to really um I gotta see this. Where is this shit though? Oh wait, wait. Um, let me see. Just a sec. Um, oh boy. Um oh boy. Yes, so I let's break down why it dropped though, man. Let's break down why I dropped. <laughs> and this is for Variety. This is not me um, saying this. So, Five Nights at Freddy's collapsed at the box office on its second weekend, but still managed to emerge on top. Universal and Blumhouse's fall sleeper hit has collected $19.4 million in its sophomore outing, resulting in a massive 76% decline from its debut. Universal and Blumhouse's spooky video game ad adaptation, which takes place in a haunted ripoff of Chuck E. Cheese-esque um, establishment, has generated a towering $113 million to date. Um, despite the drama, dramatic drop, Finance of Freddy's earned far more than anyone expected with its $80 million um, opening weekend. So the second weekend ticket sales are still decent for the $20 million budgeted film, which landed simultaneously on the streaming service Peacock. Though Peacock has fewer um, subscribers than rivals like Disney and Netflix, 
box office. Analysts suggest that the day and date um, release is behind the mammoth decline in ticket sales. Um, let's see. Hold on. Um, let me see. Let me see. Let me see for ticket sales. Um, yeah, wait, 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 wait. What did I do? Wait. Um, wait a minute here. Yes. Um, yes, 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 yes. So, <laughs> um, so though Peacock has fewer subscribers than rivals like Disney and Netflix, box office analysts suggest the day and date digital releases behind the mammoth decline in ticket sales. Okay, Five Nights at Freddy's is crashing in its second weekend of simultaneous streaming, says David A. Gross, who runs the movie consulting firm Franchise Entertainment Research. The two viewing options compete with each other with an, an exclusive um, theatrical run generates the greatest total box office and then elevates the film and builds anticipation of the streaming premiere that if that follows it oh boy this is crazy it's crazy how it dropped though man it really it's really it's really fucking crazy though man how it fucking dropped though man like seriously um it really it's it's just beyond crazy to me um it is crazy though man i'll tell you this <laughs> oh man oh my goodness man for real for real for real yeah hold on um this is crazy though unfucking believable yeah because i anyway um <laughs> let me just okay hold on a second It dropped 76%, folks. What the hell?
Okay, let's keep going, man. Um, even if that's the case, Five Nights at Freddy's is a massive commercial winner. Well, it's not making billions of dollars, man. <laughs> it ain't making billions of dollars, man. Like, like, cut that shit out. Y'all trying to hype that shit up, man, like it's nothing. After 10 days of release, it's already the highest grossing um horror film of the year overtaking the nun 85 million dollars megan 95 million dollars yeah right not scary um screen six which is the scariest one the r-rated movie on 108 million dollars it's also been a huge draw at the international box office with 103 million bringing its global tally to 217 million dollars um otherwise it's been Otherwise, it's been quite a quiet weekend at the box office as two new releases, Megan Ryan's um, romantic comedy, What Happens Later, and Neil Berger's <laughs> uh, psychological thriller, The Marsh King's Daughter, failed to crap the top five. The overall um, domestic box office topped out with roughly $56 million over the weekend, one of the lowest grossing of the year what happens later which co-stars ryan and david the company as exes whose serendipi- ser- serendipitously reunite at the airport oh gosh debuted in ninth place with a tepid 1.5 million dollars from 1492 theaters the marsh king's daughter starring daisy ridley as the as the daughter of a kidnapper who escapes from prison, fared even worse. The Lionsgate and Roadside Attractions film opened at the number 12 spot um, with a dismal $820,000 from 1,055 venues. Um, Yo, you got to explain what Section 80 is, man, because I'm not sure where that is and what state that is you know what i'm saying um anyway anyway um without any prominent newcomers taylor swift the heiress tour remained in second place collecting 13.5 million dollars in its fourth weekend of release it has generated 165.9 million dollars in north america only strengthening its position as the highest grossing concert film in it in domestic box office history the heiress tour broke that record on opening weekend with 92 million dollars surpassing the entire um, domestic run of 2011's justin bieber never say never which is 72 million dollars with 231 million dollars globally it has to catch up catch up to 2009's um michael jackson this is it which which made 261 million dollars to notch the worldwide record um in third place martin scorsese's killers of the flower moon added seven million dollars from 3,786 theaters a minor 25 percent decline from the prior weekend ticket sales for the crime epic starring leonardo dicaprio from you know him from the beach um Django Unchained and um The Revenant and Robert De Niro 
um, need to keep up this box office staying power to justify its $200 million budget to date. Flower, Flower Moon has grossed $52 million domestically and $119 million globally after three weeks of release. However, Apple, which backed the big budget um, tentpole and hired Paramount to put it in theaters, may not have the same metrics of success compared to traditional Hollywood players. It's betting that awards season attention and Apple TV Plus um, fodder will help to validate the price tag. Sophia's um, Coppola's Priscilla Presley um, biopic Priscilla Place for Place earning a better than expected five million dollars as a24 expanded the film to 1259 theaters the well-reviewed movie scored in limited releases with 132 million no, excuse me 132,139 dollars from four screens and um has amassed 5.3 million dollars to date priscilla an award season hopeful and a very different take from Baz um, Lorman's 2022 um, kaleidoscopic biopic, Elvis, will continue to expand through the fall. Uh, romantic dramas are not big movies, but when they connect, they can go on a run, Gross says. That could still happen here. Um Pantelian and participant Spanish language drama Radical surprised in fifth place, bringing in $2.7 million from just four 19 venues in its debut. The feel good movie, which stars um, Eugenio Derbez and debuted at Sundance Film Festival, tells the true story of a Mexican school teacher who uses innovative techniques to unlock the potential of the students we are seeing incredible momentum at the box office both in the u.s and mexico and we are looking forward to expanding the film to more audiences radical producer ben odell said in a statement so that was your breakdown on why friday friday nights at freddy's um dropped the second weekend 76 percent now there's a bunch of YouTubers that's actually um reviewing movies and stuff like that. Um you know what I'm saying? And um <laughs> and you know and you know tune in next time next time on on the segment of Movie Man Cave Popcorn where I actually bring up um you know you know um not just the Marvels but there's also going to be it's also going to be um, Trolls Band Together, which I will get into it, and I will get into that, and and other movies that's coming out, and and one of the episodes I'm going to talk about, I want to talk to y'all about this horror movie called Thanksgiving, which is probably not going to make a dent in the box office, um, but I, I'm probably going to have to, I'm going to save my thoughts on that Thanksgiving um thing, man, because <laughs> the um it's pretty crazy and strange though man for a movie but anyway man um let me see let me see if i have anything left to talk about here let me see let me see let me see um okay okay um let me all right so 
I'm sorry if I didn't get a chance to do um things to do for the week. I'm sorry I've been a little far behind on that. Um, you know, other stuff. Um and um yeah. So let me see. Let me see something here. Uh hang on a second, folks. Um hang on a second. Um wait. I forgot to cover something. I forgot to cover something, man. Um, let me go over the uh yes, so the Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors. Let's go over that actually, man. Um, from worst to best. So this will be our next segment right here. The next segment, the next segment right here actually is going to be um, let me see. Let me show no. it. Yes, the next segment right here regarding the regarding the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror from best from from worst to best. Um let's get into it right here, right now, man. In this segment called TV Show Checkouts, man. All right. So um just just bear with me, folks. You know what I'm saying? Just bear with me. Um just bear with me. Um, all right, man. I'm yeah. Um, all right, let's get into it right here. Yes. I am a long-time favorite. I'm a long-time fan of The Simpsons, man. So, you know, forgive me for that. But um, we're, we're going to go over um the best and wor- from worst to best of each of The Simpsons Treehouse of Horror episode that's being ranked. Okay, so this is from GameSpot.com. All right, so... For diehard fans, the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror episodes are an annual tradition as much a part of Halloween as a Charlie Brown Christmas is to the winter holiday season. Even lapsed fans who haven't regularly watched the show in decades still tune in to watch the newest Treehouse. Treehouse episodes are special because they are non-canon, which means the writers can experiment or try something wild. Regular characters can die, often in bloody, gruesome ways. What's more, the the episodes are presented as an anthology with each Treehouse of Horror containing multiple shorter stories and many of the annual specials, especially late in the series run, are considered the best of their respective seasons. That's especially true for the recent Treehouse of Horror. Um, the recent Treehouse of Horror. Um, uh, damn. The Roman. Oh man, the Roman numeral shit, though, man. Um. Yeah, um, XXXIII. Hold on, let me look up. Let me look this shit up, though, man, so you folks can get an idea what what that stands for. Um, Roman numeral 
XXXII. Let me see. So, so it would be 33. It would be 33, actually. So that's what that shit stands for, actually. Hang on one second. Um, hang on one second. One second, one second. Um, one second. Yeah, so that would be 33. That would be 33. Yes, so yeah, that would be 33. So, um, which was arguably the best system since Halloween episode in decades. To commemorate Halloween, we're making the 33 Simpsons Treehouse of Horror episodes from worst to best. And definitely don't miss Treehouse of Horror. Um, Treehouse of Horror 34. 34. It will date. It will debut, which I've already seen it already, actually, um, debut on November 6, 2023 on Fox. And it, fe it will feature three parodies, Black Mirror, Bandersnatch, The Silence of the Lambs, and Quarantine. Um, yeah, so number 33, Treehouse of Horror, um, 33. Season 19, E.T., Go Home, Mr. and Mrs. Simpson. Mr. and Mrs. Simpson, Heck House. Oh boy, not sure what that that's about, but yes, Heck House. Every segment feels um Bella Board and Bland, like the writers were pulling this together of annual obligation. Hang on one second. I um had a little something in my eye. Um, anyway, one thing always remains true: Kang and Kodos worked better as distant observers than as the main characters in the plot. And even when when Thirty Three debuted in two thousand seven, the Mister and Missus Smith parody was already dated. Um, number thirty two, Treehouse of Horror. Um, thirty two. Um, season 23, the diving bell and butterball dial D for diddly in the Navi, considered by many fans to be the worst treehouse episode, um, which is um, 32, has slightly redemptive Dexter jokes in its middle segment, but that segment undermines itself with, with its twist. The Avatar parody was tiresome and the first segment had fart humor <laughs> up until this episode that had always been beneath the simpsons and number 31 um number 31 treehouse of horror um what is it 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 um what is it x x i x not sure what that is um Wait a minute. If this is wait a minute. If this is um this if this is 32 and that's 33 and that's 33. Um I just want to get it so so 30 oh wait. 
No, 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 no. Wait a second. Wait a second. No, wait. XVII. I'm sorry. Um, XVII. I'm sorry. Um, oh my gosh. Okay. These Roman numerals are very hard to keep up these days, man. XVIII. That's what that is. Hang on a minute. I'm sorry. Um, hang on a second. Um, shit. I know. Oh, it's XVII. Oh, uh, XVII. Let's see. Oh, it's 28. So it's 28. So it's 28. Okay. So it's 28. So let's see. Let's see. Um, let's see this. This is 24. 24. IVX. No, that's 29. Oh, wow. All these Roman numeral shits. All these the Roman numeral shits, man, is very, 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 very hard to, to, uh, oh man, that shit is so fucking crazy to catch up on, man. And I'm not gonna remember all these Roman numeral shit though, man. Um. Anyway, man, let me just um continue where I left off here. Um, let me continue where I left off here. Okay. Uh, so it's 29. Okay, so season 30 of The Simpsons, Treehouse of Horror, um, 29, actually. So intrusion of the pod Y switches, multiplicity, um, geatric park. The two, this was two forgettable segments followed by a bizarre Jurassic Park homage. And which Springfield mixed the DNA of its senior citizens with that of dinosaurs. Given that premise, it's actually more heartfelt than you might think. Um. Okay, season. Okay. Um. Number thirty, Treehouse of Horror. Um. Treehouse of Horror. Um. XXX. Whatever that shit is. Um. Danger things. Heaven swipes right when Harry met Slimy. Oh wow. Um. Okay. Okay. Hold on a second, folks. I need to get to this num- Roman numeral shit. Oh my gosh, man. Okay, this Roman numeral shit is really, really, really. I'm not getting. I'm not really understanding this shit. But anyway. Okay. What's this? So this is sturdy. Okay. So this is sturdy. Jeez Louise, man. Um man, this shit is so fucking crazy for me to keep up with. Um anyway, let me let's continue, man. So this is 30. Yes, yeah, so this is 30, I guess. Um this is 30, I guess. So um <clears throat> Yes, so 30 is noteworthy for a Stranger Things send-up, which was sort of funny, but came out a little too late to make an impact. The other two skits, a Heaven Can Wait parody starring Homer and a take on The Shape of Water, um, were strictly middle 
of the road heavier on style and visuals than laughs. Um, <clears throat> oh boy. Um, Treehouse of Horror, number 29, season 17. Um, season 17. Um, let me see. Segments BI, which is artificial <laughs> intelligence, survival of the fattest. I've grown a costume to your face. Ha! <laughs> um, the first segment was a fun, dark-hearted parody of the Spielberg um, Kubrick sci-fi um, epic AI, which is artificial intelligence. Instead of Homer preferring his real son over the robot replacement, he prefers the robot, and he abandons Bart in the woods instead. The other two segments were largely a showcase for sight gags and felt like filler in place of actual plots. Um, <clears throat> of course, number 28, Treehouse of Horrors, season 22, War and Pieces, Master and Cadaver, um, Tween Light. Look, I'm not gonna waste my time looking up um Roman numerals, man. Y'all could look that up for yourselves, all right? So, yes, yeah, so yeah. <clears throat> War and, War and Pieces, Master and Cadaver, Cadaver, Tween Light. Two solid segments booking a forgettable one. War and Pieces is a send-up of every popular American board game, and it triggers waves of nostalgia. It's true that the only cool thing about the game Mousetrap is the trap itself, if it actually works. Tween Light is a decent parody of Twilight and stars Daniel Radcliffe as the voice of a, va of a vampire, heartthrob Edmund. <clears throat> Number 27, Treehouse of Horror, season 18, Dry Hard BFF RIP Molefinger. Um, oh boy. The Keeper of. Oh my goodness, man. Oh my fucking goodness, man. This is fucking ridiculous, man, with all these Roman numerals and shit, man. Ah, Lord. This is taking up so much time on this episode. Forgive me, folks. Um, forgive me, folks. Um, what is this shit? Um, um, what, is, wait, wait, wait. what was it? XXVI? XXVI. Wait. <clears throat> okay. XXVI. Let's see. Let's see. That would be number 26. <sighs> number 26. Okay. Um. Okay. Let's see. Let me see. Let me see. I didn't mean to take this long, but I um, wanted to get that out the way. <clears throat> okay, the keeper of 26 is the middle segment. Lisa's imaginary friend Rachel keeps killing her classmates in very gruesome ways. The other two segments are amusing in its fits and starts, but neither can be classified as horror. The first is a parody of Mad Max and The Hunger Games. The third is a tribute to British spy films. Um, oh boy. So if this is, so if this is, um, 
26. Yes, yeah, so okay, so Treehouse of Horror 26. 25. This is 25. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, wanted dead, then alive. Homer Zilla, which is one of my favorites, actually. Um, Telepath of Glory. This is season 27. Um, the most hyped segment of Treehouse, um, um, 25 was the first one in which Sideshow Sci- Bob finally kills Bart, but the writers went a weird direction with it by having Bob hang on to Bart's portrait. <clears throat> Riding corpse, a little too dark with not enough humor and the other two segments um, weren't funny enough to redeem the first. Number 25. Um, Treehouse of Horror 24. 24 actually and um segment school is hell a clockwork yellow the others um last segment is best known one a meta celebration of the show that sees the modern citizens family meeting the tracy allman tracy allman (laughs) versions of themselves it's a pair it's a great premise but not but nothing quite clicks to Treehouse 24. Not even the the Kubrick parody that squeezes in references to a clockwork orange. Um eyes wide shut and even Barry Linden. Um uh, Treehouse of Horrors um nine. Yeah, nine. Um, season eleven. I know what you diddly, idly did. Desperately seeking z- z- Zena. Life's a glitch. Then you die. The best segment in the middle one. Um, which sees Bart and Lisa becoming superheroes. Be- comic book guy got a perfect role as a supervillain, and Lucy Lawless got a cameo appearance that aged well. But ironically, the middle segment also started an unfortunate trend moving forward in which one or more of the Treehouse segments were inspired by a non-horror genre. Um, non-horror genre. Um, oh, boy. Um, tree Number 23, Treehouse of Horror, season 16. The Ned Zone, four beheadings and a funeral in the belly of the boss. The 15th Treehouse of Horror is sort of bland and inoffensive, nothing brilliantly good, nothing overly bad. Of the three, the standout is the final parody of um, Asimov's Fantastic Voyage in it. The Simpsons family takes a shrinking shuttle into Mr. Burns' decrepit body. Season 20, number 22, Treehouse of Horror, um, untitled Robot Parody. Um, Robot Parody, how to get ahead in, in dead advertising. It's the Grand Pumpkin Millhouse. The, t- the first two segments of the first two segments of um what is it um jeez louise man i hate roman numerals man x i x were 
average, but the third was exceptional. It took the Simpsons 20 years to parody. Um, it's the great pumpkin, Charlie, Charlie Brown, but it was worth the wait. Lisa plays Sally. Millhouse plays Linus. Um, Lisa even delivering the classic line, you owe me restitution. Oh, wow. Oh, man. Number 21, Trials of Horror, season 33. Bart B. Bong Ju Ho's This Side of Parasite, Nightmare on Elm Street. No, Nightmare on Elm Tree, excuse me. Um, poetic interlude, Dead Ringer. Um, jeez, man. XXXII opens with a Bambi parody. From there, the segments start weak, but get stronger. Poetic interlude has a lovely visual look. And the closing segment, Dead Ringer, is the best segment by far with a ring parody where Lisa makes friends with the, the creepy girl rather than killing her. And number 20, Trias of Horror, um, season 13, Hex and the City, House of Wax, Wiz Kids. The final Harry Potter sketch was pretty bad, um, but the first two segments were great. The first has the Simpsons family attempting to break a curse by finding a leprechaun seriously, and the second one in is a clever 2001. Number 19, season 29, The Sweets Hereafter, The Exorcist, Coralisa, um, mm, Homer. Four solid segments, not, no bad ones. Coralisa was a creative take on Coraline. And it, it even adopted the 3D printed visual um, style to portray the alternate other world, other world family. The final segment was um, gross and off-putting, even by Treehouse standards. Homer discovers he delic he's delicious, and he begins to consume and serve himself to others. Number 18, season 18, Married to the Blob. <laughs> oh, shit. You got to know when to golem. The day the earth looks stupid. Oh, gosh. Um, the thing that stands out about um, XVII is how morbid and cynical it got. Um. Blob Homer used his massive appetite to eat and get rid of the homeless. And the episode ended with Springfield destroyed by an alien invasion. It was bleak, effective satire with the sort of edge that the writers could only indulge in once per year. Number 17, Treehouse of Horror, um, season 25. Oh, the places you dough, dead and shoulders, um, freaks, no geeks. The opening Dr. Seuss-inspired segment <laughs> was funny, crude, and in uncommonly poor taste, but funny nonetheless with a sort of manic energy that matched the early Simpsons episodes. The other two segments never reached that level of energy, but the opening couch gag directed by Guillermo del Toro is beautiful and distinguishes um, XXIV from the middle of the pack.
like I said, y'all can look up the um, Roman numerals for yourselves to see what it means and stuff. I don't got time for this. And number 16, Treehouse of Horror, um, season 14. Segments send in the clones, the fright to creep and scare, scare harms. The Island of Dr. Hibbert. Oh boy. The first segment of the first segment of XIII is dumb but very, very funny. Homer clones himself with his hammock, and those clones make more clones and so forth. It's so good in in fact that it nearly makes up for the final segment of Dr. Moreau homage, which um visual jokes aside was one of the weakest treehouse segments up to that point number 15 of treehouse of horror um season 15 segments includes reaper madness frankenstein stop the world i want to goof off the first segment is the strongest death shows up at the simpsons front door and shenanigans ensue when homer accidentally kills it and then takes its place as the Grim Reaper. The other two segments are also a lot of fun. Freakistan gives Springfield's favorite egghead um, a backstory, and the final segment has Bart and Milhouse discover a Twilight Zone-esque watch that freezes time. Number 14, season 7 segments, Attack of the 50-Foot Eyesores, Nightmare on Evergreen Terrace, Homer Cube, the weakest treehouse episode from Classic Era um, VI, which actually is six, six actually, um, is largely remembered by Homer Cube, which featured cutting edge for the time 3D animation. It's good, but more for its novelty than its humor. Um, six features one classic segment. A genuinely frightening, frightening take on Nightmare on Elm Street, starring groundskeeper Willie as Freddy Krueger. Oh wow! <laughs> oh man! Number thirteen, Treehouse of Horror. Um, um, XX segments. Um, dial M for murder or press um, hashtag to um return to main menu. Don't have a cow, mankind. There's no business like mole business. <laughs> <laughs> From here on out, every single Treehouse episode on this list is gold. Um, Double X begins with a Hitchcock tribute, proceeds with a 28 Days Later parody, and concludes with a perfect send-up of Sweeney Todd. <clears throat> it was horror, um, no other genres, and hilarity all the way through. Number 12. Um, Treehouse of Horror, season 24, segments the greatest story ever hold. Um, unnormal activity, Bart and Homer's excellent adventure. And double X, um, triple I's first segment, a black hole opens up and anyone uses it as a dumping ground until it threatens to swallow the entire town. It's a simple, stupid premise with excellent delivery and through follow through. The second segment parodies the found footage genre with lots of wonderful sight gags. And the second, no, excuse me, the third is a Back to the Future parody that features Artie Ziff, Marge's senior prom date, and an alternate future. Number 11, season two, um, 
Treehouse of Horror, um, Bad Dream House, Hungry Are the Damned, To Serve to Serve Man, and Raven. The very first Treehouse set a standard of excellence. The highlight is the concluding segment in which Homer and Bart act out a lust detained rendition of Edgar Allan's Poe's The Raven. As a teacher, I use this segment in my classroom during my poetry unit, and it still gets reliable, consistent laughs. Let me see. Oh, boy. All right. Um, I'm going to speed this up, man. I'm going to speed this up real quick, actually. So, um... I'm gonna speed this up real quick, actually. Um, um, let me see, let me see, let me see. Number, let me see, where was I? Where was I? Where was I? Uh, yeah. Where was I? Um, yes. So, number ten, Treehouse of Horror. Um, yeah, Treehouse of Horror. Season 10, Hell to Pay, The Terror of Tiny Toons, Starship Poopers. <laughs> the the outstanding, two outstanding segments, no weak ones. And um, in IX's um, best segment, Snake is executed for his numerous crimes, but his spirit inhabits his hair, which becomes which becomes Homer's evil toupee. Uh, the second segment pits Bart and Lisa against Itchy and Scratchy, and the third segment in which we discover that Marge is Kang's daughter is kind of weird, but it somehow works um, thanks to a left field um, late great Jerry Springer cameo. Um, number nine, season 32 of Treehouse of Horror, Toy Gory. Into the Homerverse, B9 Rewind. It sounds odd, but the opening parody of Toy Story is better than you think. It has a creepy, unsettling conclusion in which Bart's toys take sadistic revenge on their owner. Into the Homerverse is a multiverse adventure with multiple variant Homers taking on multiple variant um, Burnses. Um... And then the final segment is a send-up of Russian Doll... Um, with Lisa and Nelson dying in multiple scenarios until they can figure out how to break the death cycle. Number eight, season 12, um, Gigi Ghost DD Dad. Scary tales co can come true. Night of the Dolphin. <laughs> the first segment starring Homer who dies and must perform a good deed to get into heaven is very good. The second segment is even better with Bart and Lisa braving the perils of a fairy tale themed woods. The third segment in which dolphins take over the world after Lisa frees their leader is one of the best treehouse segments in in the show's history. The rebellious dolphins managed to be very cute and very intimidating at the same time. Number seven, season nine of Treehouse of Horror, the the Oh, the whole Mega Man, Fly versus Fly, Easy Bake Coven. Um, seven opens with the Fox sensor getting stabbed multiple times before collapsing into a pool of blood. Then we get three terrific segments. And first, Homer is the last non-mutated survivor of a neutron bomb that hits Springfield. The second, Bart and 
a housefly combined bodies. The third segment takes place in 1649 when Marge, Patty, and Selma reached are revealed as child eating witches. Great stuff all around. Oh wow. <laughs> Number six, Treehouse of Horror. Um seven. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. Treehouse of Horror eight. I'm sorry. Um this is Treehouse of Horror 7, Season 8. Um, The Thing and I, The Genesis Tub, Citizen King 7 gets off to a roaring start with the story of Bart and his evil, disturbed twin Hugo, and it ends with the perfect twist. From there, we get another great Twilight Zone parody of The Little People, followed by a, a topical political satire featuring Bob Dole and Bill Clinton. The final segment also gave us one of the Simpsons most quoted lines. Don't blame me. I voted for Kodos. Number five, Treehouse of Horror 3, season four. Um, Clown Without Pity, King Homer, Dowsy for Zombies. In season four, the Simpsons was um, cresting to its creative prime. Treehouse, um, Three featured three banger segments. With Krusty as a killer doll, Homer as King Kong, and the entire town of Springfield as a horde of the undead, respectfully. Um, there was wit, horror, and hilarity, along with the palpable sense of confidence. The show was here to stay. Number four, Treehouse of Horror, season 34. Um, the Duke. Death Tome, Simpsons World. It may seem odd to old school Simpsons fans that a season of 34 episode cracks the top five on our list, but it but it is deserved. Um, triple five, triple I is just that good. The first segment contains a real sense of urgency and scariness as Maggie defends herself from a homicide. Okay, um, okay, from where, where, where is it? Where were we? Yes, from a homicide, homo, homicidal marge. Um, the, seg, the second segment reimagines the Simpsons as an, anime horror, and the final segment, a parody of Westworld, is a nostalgic Latin celebration of the show's history. Number 
three, Treehouse of Horror 2, season three, The Monkey's Paw, The Bart Zone, If I Only Had a Brain. The uptick in quality between Treehouse 1 and Treehouse 2 is unbelievable. Season 2 was when the show found its voice, but season 3 is when the show learned to sing. Every segment is a classic, and the standout is Bart Zone, a spot-on parody of the Twilight Zone episode. It's a good life about an omnipotent boy who terrorizes the town he lives in. I'm also partial to the sequence in the final segment when Mr. Burns beats Homer with a shovel. Bad corpse, bad corpse. <laughs> oh, man. Number two, Treehouse of Horror 4, Season 5, The Devil and Homer Simpson. Terror at five and a half feet, Bart Simpson's Dracula. Um, four packed so many incredible moments into one show. The ironic punishment room in hell. The pitch perfect anxiety ridden moment when Bart saves the school from crashing. And one of the greatest overblown death scenes in TV history when Homer stakes a vampire Mr. Burns through the heart. The best Simpsons Treehouse episodes are a bit off-putting and a bit disturbing. And four was both. And finally, number one, Treehouse of Horror 5, Season 6, The Shining, Time and Punishment, Nightmare Cafeteria. This is perfect television. First, we get a parody of The Shining, which comes with a great tagline. No TV and no beer make Homer go crazy. Then comes my personal favorite Treehouse seg segment of all time, when Homer accidentally turns a toaster into a time machine. That's my favorite episode, too actually um and lastly we get a third genuinely unsetting segment when the faculty at springfield elementary kill and eat their students lunch lady doors is a fright to look at especially when she's coming at the kids with an egg beater and that's not even the end of it the credit sequence when <laughs> when the Sim when simpsons family dances to one with Inside out bodies gave me nightmares as a kid. Damn, son. Damn. Damn. That sounds like a scream right there, man. That sounds like a big scream right there, man. <laughs> That's a big scream for me, man. For real, for real, for real, for real. Hold on. All right. Um. <laughs> all right. Um. Let me. Um. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give y'all some fun activities to do. I'm probably gonna. Probably not gonna do too many of them. I'll. I'll do that. I'll save the rest for the next episode. I'm probably gonna give it a little bit of two. So. Um. All right. So. Give me a second. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. Hold on a second. One moment.
All right. Um, I'm sorry about that, folks. I had to do something real quick. Um, all right. So, all right. So let's get into, um, before we even wrap up here, actually, um, before we even wrap up here, I want to get, I want to provide some fun activities to do in New York, starting with, um, remains to be seen. Let's start off with um, construction, and let me just fill you in on what that is, folks. Um, this annual cans for a cause competition pits architecture teams against each other to create larger-than-life art installations using thousands upon thousands of cans of food, all in the same of ending hunger. Every can is donated to City Harvest. Head to Brookfield Place in Manhattan, which is located in 2 230 Vesey Street from November the 2nd to the 13th from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. to see the unveiling of these engineering spectacles all built after months of planning. Then check back to see if your favorite takes home any titles in judges categories like best use of labels, best meal and structural engine ingenuity you can even vote for your favorite sculpture once the sculptures are unveiled every year teams go all out with creativity past sculptures have included not uh, no a hot air balloon a bodega cat <laughs> baby yoda <laughs> a buckingham palace and lots more this the 31st year for construction each year um the event results in the largest annual single donation of canned food to city harvest and admission is free but do your part by donating some canned goods to the cause and folks this is from timeout.com the website that i am using so in case you're wondering this is from timeout.com all right Hold on one second. Okay, um another thing um because it's Veterans Day on a Veterans Day falls on a Saturday, right? So we're going to actually we're going to actually go over this actually. So let me just um just do this thing real quick. Um yes, so wait a second. Hang on. Sorry. Um, okay. Um, all right. So Veterans Day Parade falls on Saturday. So salute to the brave men and women who served our country and watch marching um, bands step in time on Fifth Avenue at the nation's largest Veterans Day Parade on Saturday, November 11th, which is this week. 
Nearly 20,000 people will participate, representing every branch of service and every generation since World War II. The city's 104th Veterans Day Parade will be held rain or shine from 9.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. The parade begins at 26th Street and 5th Avenue, then continues up 5th to 46th excuse me, to 47th Street. This year's Grand Marshal is Mike Lennington, U.S. Army veteran and CEO of the Wounded Warrior Project. Um, Let me just, um, all right, let me just provide y'all with, um, with some other stuff. Let me see, something fun. All right, so we have the holiday pop-up bars miracle and sipping santa miracle on ninth street and sipping santa's decked out editions will be popping up beginning november november 2023 and nyc miracle on ninth street will be found at the cabinet um mezcal bar in the east village opening on november 9th meanwhile meanwhile uh, sipping santa will take place this winter at lower east side neighborhood bar thief as of november 22nd and as usual the miracle and sipping santa holiday mug collections will also be making their return with limited edition glassware available for purchase exclusively at the pop-ups um i'm gonna save the rest of this for the next episode folks um i want to wrap up here actually so i'm gonna wrap up right here all right so I'm going to wrap up here. Let me make sure I do that. All right. I'm going to wrap up right here. So um, I'm going to save the rest of the places to do for fun um, for the next episode in a couple of minutes. So, all right. So the very last segment that we're going to be doing um involves um where you could follow the podcast where you can listen to the episodes and stuff like that um let's let's go to stream choices on the stream choices hold on a second stream choices on the go man let's go Make sure you go ahead and follow the podcast, not only on Facebook, but also on Threads, Instagram, alongside with um, my other two podcast shows that I do, which is Excellent Fun Vibrant Talks Podcast, Meticulous Vibe Juice Podcast, the review show that I also do. And of course, be sure to follow, be sure to follow um, this podcast right here. Um, um, off the Meat Rack Chains New York Avenue podcast. Even though the username says um, Off the Meat Rack Chains NY podcast, but I added Avenue, but I didn't have room to put Avenue on there too, so I just left it as that. So, so there you have it right there. Um, and also, you can follow me on the gram to G Money Stacks Triple Five in Queens, New York. Um, turn your notifications to to more updates and details to when each episode is going to be dropping. I will be um, making sure that I post on threads to make sure that you guys know when each episode is going to be dropping and everything else in between. And um, also, without further ado, um, a quick reminder that you you folks out there, um, um, you are, you, you can also subscribe 
on every streaming platform that I mentioned to you. You can even download to your, your phones, like your iPhones, Android phones, um, iPads, Android tablets, and your laptops, which includes um, Apple Mac and Dell laptops, any model that you have Windows in. And um, if you go to the link in bio, you're going to see a whole list of um, streaming platforms that you could actually, um, you know, include, which is which is um, Odyssey, Audible, Audio Burst, Amazon Music, Breaker, Bullhorn FM, CastBox FM, Deezer, Listen Notes, Moon, Moon FM Podcast, Player FM, Pocket Cast, PodBay, PodFriend, PodHound, um, PodoPolo, Podorama, Podcast Index, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Podverse, Podcast Guru, Podvine, Snip, Spotify, Spotify for Podcasters, TuneIn Radio, um, Stitcher is included as well. Um, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, the number one app for music, radio, and podcasts. You don't need a credit card or debit card to download um, to download um, the podcast and episodes and stuff like that. So, of course, be sure to follow this podcast and along with my other two podcasts, my sports podcast platform, which I just mentioned, um, and which is Excellent Fun Vibrant Talks podcast and my review show which is meticulous vibe juice podcast and and of course this one right here off the meat rat change new york avenue podcast which is um 301 episodes so far and um and um of course do the same with youtube make sure you grab the subscribe button on the youtube channel page of g money stacks triple five uh for more live video episodes that's already recorded via live stream Leave a like and a comment along with the episodes and turn on the notifications along with um, alerts so you can be reminded of when each episode is going to be um, recording along with the along with the month, day, date, and time. All right. And of course, um, be sure to listen, stream, and follow the episodes alongside with downloading the episodes. And not only download, downloading the episodes, you can also download the podcast and add it to your playlist. Um, whether you have Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, YouTube, along with other streaming platforms where you get your podcasts that I just mentioned. Um, and um, be sure to share the episodes, share the videos, tell a friend to another friend, share um share the link alongside with the podcast and spread the word with your husbands your wives your boyfriends girlfriends friends people you cool with from work and everywhere else in between and that's gonna do it man i gotta get up out of here so i could get some dinner and everything else um and get prepared for the next episode so please um if you miss any episodes um you can catch up, all right? I'm your man, G Money Stacks, a.k.a. The Greginator. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 302. Hang on a minute.
Yes, thank you for listening to episode 302. Um titled titled um Halloween season full of candies and snacks. All right. You could have listened to any podcast in the whole world, but you chose to listen to this one and help me reach over 300 episodes. And I really appreciate you folks out there at home who believed in me, who believed in this podcast and other podcast shows that I do whatsoever. It really means a lot to me. I really appreciate y'all. I love y'all. Um, and I hope we can continue to do more and everything else. So, and remember, the grind doesn't stop. Hard work pays off. You don't need you, um, hard work pays off. New York was built in a day. And, um, you know, find something, look for something that makes you happy, not based on your parents or anybody else whatsoever who don't support you. you the only person you got to support is yourself. All right? And only the true ones who are there for you will be there to support you as well. And, um, and um, look, you can you can also be able to you know do what you love. Be be able to be able to you know start something creatively, mentally, physically, and spiritually. Whatever you're going through, whatsoever you could find, you could create something that's therapeutic to you. Um. That gets you into your zone alongside with tunnel vision, all right? All right. I'm a baddie here. Thank you very much, folks out there. I will see you back next time in the next episode in a couple of minutes. Peace and one love. And enjoy the rest of your day and week and weekend of Veterans Day and everything else. And enjoy the rest of your night. Good night, folks. Stacks, aka the Greginator here. I did not get a chance to mention um some fun things to do in the previous episode that I just recorded recently. So I'm here to actually um let you know some fun activities to do. Here we go. Um of course today is November the 10th, and today is um the circus. This is there's a flip circus. Um, what it is, is basically the great American big top experience that has been wowing audiences across the country will visit the Bronx for the first time ever. 
the all-new production created by the Vasquez family features an incredible assemblage of international acts that are guaranteed to amaze and amuse. The mall at Bay Plaza, located at 200 Baychester Avenue in the Bronx, um, 7.30 p.m., which is going to cost you 30 to $80. Diversity Hire. Join QED for the New York Comedy Festival with a special edition of Diversity Hire, a mixed showcase of comedians from diverse backgrounds coming together to look like a classic college brochure. QED is located at 2716 23rd Avenue in Queens. It's from 8 to 10 p.m. and it's going to cost you $12. Saturday, which is Veterans Day, um, Death by Chocolate. Death by Chocolate combines all the elements of classic murder mysteries with scathing satire of today's health crazes. Members of the newly renovated Meadowbrook Health Resort are dropping like flies, including famed chef Edith Chills on the eve on the eve of the grand reopening. This is not the f- best advertisement. It's up to John Stone, the manager, to find the cause and the murderer. St. Mary's Drama Guild is located at 70 20 47th Avenue in Queens which starts at 6.30 p.m. It's going to cost $20. Tobias Turkey Family Show. In this humorous interactive Thanksgiving tale, Tobias, with the help of his friends on Farmer Joe's farm, becomes both the fattest, slowest turkey and the skinniest, fastest turkey on Farmer Joe's farm, learning that with his determination, he can do anything. Jamaica Center for Arts and Learning is located at 161-04 Jamaica Avenue, Queens, New York. Starts at 12 p.m., $15 and $12 for kids. And November 12th is um, Live Jazz Jam and Open Mic. Jazz by Jory host live jazz every Sunday afternoon. In a gorgeous setting of edgy artwork curated from local artists, pool, ping pong tables, and a bar, it's a feast for the soul. Musicians and singers are encouraged to sit in or sign up to sing. Sour Mouse NYC is located at 110 Delancey Street in Manhattan, New York. Starts from 3.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. and it's free. Comedy at Sundown. Join the happening thing to do in Ridgewood, Queens on Sundays. Every week, Comedy at Sundown brings you a show of some of New York's best stand-up comics in the very elegant downstairs venue at Sundown Bar. Sundown Bar is located at 68-38 Forest Avenue in Queens, New York, and it starts from 7 p.m. to 8 30 p.m. and it's going to cost you five dollars to ten dollars um if you want to find more fun things to do in new york city um you can you can visit the website at events.amny.com and of course if you want to check more um for more information 
You have QNS.com, BrooklynPaper.com, BX.com, and LawnPress.com. Um, I have some more. Um, according to, I have some more actually. Um, so yes, yeah, so um, starting with Rockefeller Center, the rink. Every year, the the rink at Rockefeller Center ushers in the holiday season by opening up to the public to skate under a golden Prometheus. Once peak season hits, they're going to be a hit of a wait to get on the slick stuff. The rink at Rockefeller Center is open. Of course, tickets are on sale. You can go to the, go to the link. The rink was originally designed as a temporary attraction in 1936 to visit to draw visitors to Rockefeller Center's outdoor plaza. By 1939, the rink became a permanent fixture. Since then, it it has evolved into one of the city's most legendary landmarks and one of the most visited sites in Manhattan, hosting more than a quarter of a million skaters annually. And of course, um, we have the Bryant Park Winter Village. Um, yes, so the Winter Village at Bryant Park has returned in all its holiday glory on the grounds. You can per peruse more than 180 shopping and food kiosks all at one of the best NYC parks. Expect loads of handmade, unique, and New York City-specific gifts for your family and friends. Work up an appetite at the 17,000-square-foot ice skating rink, and then fill up at the rinkside pop-up restaurant called The Lodge for festive cocktail and hearty foods. You don't want you don't miss the small business spotlight, which features local minority-owned business. The Winter Village will be open through March 3rd, 2024. Okay, so now you now you know what you have to do um for for fun activities. Um you can go to www.timeout.com slash New York slash things to do slash things to do in NYC for this weekend from November the 10th through the 12th. That's November the 12th through November the 10th through the 12th. All right. So that's about it. Um, thank you for your time. Yo, what's up, everyone at home? You want to hear more from me? I need your help on a couple of things. Go follow Off the Meat Rat Chains New York Avenue podcast on Facebook, Threads, and Instagram. Tap on the notifications so you can know when I will be on Instagram live recording podcast episodes. Plus, you can do the same with YouTube on my channel, G Money Stacks Triple Five. Grab the subscribe button for more live video episodes. Click on the notification bell and alerts as reminders of the date, day, and time when each episode recording will be on the air via live stream. You can also share your thoughts on the topics of each episode in the comments section. If you miss any new or previous episodes, don't worry. You can catch up in my link tree slash gmoneystacks555 with the links to listen, stream, and watch on every 
streaming platform, including Spotify for podcasters, formerly known as Anchor, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. Also, you can download and add the podcast to your playlist of your favorite episodes. I'm your man, G Money Stacks, aka the Greganator. Thank you so much for for tuning in, listening, streaming, rocking with me, and watching me on the podcast. One love. Peace out.